You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema with Big Willie and the Samurai, bringing class to trash since 1977. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. We had a few weeks off. We were on a white sand beach together in Mykonos, coconut <laughs> drink in hand. Uh, the Wi-Fi was bad, but the tanning was good. Yes, it was. Uh, we're back. This is our first show of the new year. It is um, a sponsored show by one of uh, our lovely sponsors. That is, of course, Arrow Video. And before I get into the pleasantries about Aero Video and what we're covering, let me get into the most pleasant man in the great state of Kentucky, my man, my partner in crime, Sammy. Hey, what's going on, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> Finally back to podcasting after being away for a couple of weeks. Seems like it's been forever since I did any of this stuff, but unfortunately on the phone again. Uh, again, with a newborn and things like that, uh, timing is uh, tricky. If you guys were around during the first baby, you, know, you remember that this, I ran into some issues then, too. So, you know, a bit of a bumpy road, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll iron it out. Scheduling is a problem. Here's the, here's the problem. Okay, let me, let me tell you something, people. Let me tell you something. Let's do it for a second here. When you have a newborn child, the t- one of the toughest things to do is to get them on a schedule. Oh. And right now, it's like Ric Flair in a cage match. I mean, we, we cannot beat this. This baby is whooping our ass. She has got us by the short and curlies, and she is not letting go. I mean, she just she stays up when she wants to stay up. She screams when she wants to scream. It's just one of those things, you know. We were Sounds lucky like the first time Rose, around. Man. Yeah, we were lucky the first time around. We were able to get my son on the schedule very quickly. My daughter, on the other hand, has a schedule of her own. It's, of course, it's, it's one of these things where you think, oh, man, that must be tough. But then, of course, you, you sleep for half an hour, you wake up, and then you pick up a baby, and they smile at you, and it's hard to be upset about it. And you laugh and you goo goo gaga and you do all that stuff. You get them back to sleep and then you think, ah, now they'll sleep through the night. An hour later, you're up again. <laughs> oh yeah. And you know, it becomes this tug of war, and unfortunately, it eventually becomes a thing where you're almost having this tug of war with your significant other on who's going to do the who's going to do the overnight coverage. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's that becomes uh, intense. Yeah, 
that that can get in the way too. So you know, I mean, I'm not telling anybody that hasn't had children or anything, but if you haven't ever had children, just be prepared for that. That first six months or so is, you know, it's thin ice, so you got to be a little careful. So unfortunately, on the phone again, but these phone shows seem to go okay. People seem to still like them, so I'm okay with that. Yeah, if it's not um, being foiled by uh, a cat in your office, it's on the phone at your office. <laughs> yes. So. yes, that cat doesn't live with me anymore, thank God. Oh, it's out. Evicted. He's gone. He's out. That cat. You know, that. You know. Uh, I don't know if you know, there's a famous song here in Canada by one of our uh, kind of folky children singers, Fred Penner. I don't know if he wrote the song, but uh, the song is called The Cat Came Back. The very next day. You know that song? Uh, seems like I do. Yeah, it's, it was a big tune here. Man. I got to see it live in concert a few months ago with uh, my youngest son on a field trip. It's good. He's seems one of these like guys. Or do you know Rafi? Do you know Rafi? Rafi, is he also very Canadian? Uh, I know I know of Rafi. I know who you, I know of who you speak, yes. And Sharon, Lois, and Bram. Do you know them? Uh, oh, yeah. Skinnamarinky-dinky-dink. Skinnamarinky-dink. Yeah, 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 I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, we were churning out some... Uh, some child, uh, some children singers uh, in the uh, 70s and 80s, man. Yeah. Powerhouses. But anyway, <laughs> let's hope in your case, uh, Fred Penner is not, and he's on a good show, I should say, he is not a prophet. Well, well, we'll, we'll see what my daughter charms up when she starts speaking stuff. After all, her first film was Bone Tomahawk. So yeah. we'll see if, you know, she immediately if- goes straight to the Napalm Death CDs. Or if on holidays she's aggressive about um, being the one that gets to uh, tear the wishbone in half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then throw it down on somebody's hand and chop half their hand off. Yeah. That's right, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's an awkward uh, holiday season. Yeah. Dead leg, old bone tomahawk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to have the cranberry sauce nearby, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad mix. Oh, man. <laughs> taste of pennies, taste of cranberries, not a good mix. Um, but we are, uh, I should say, uh, we are doing two films that Arrow was, of course, as we'd said, kind enough to give us to sponsor. One of which is Valerian Borchek's Immoral Tales, his anthology on all things erotic. Maybe not all things erotic, but certainly some eroticism through the ages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second film is also a European film. It's uh, directed by a man whose career didn't quite go the way this film would have would have thought after seeing this film. Uh, Uli Lamo's Tenderness of the Wolves, or, oh man, I wish you were here to pronounce this German. Die Zartlichkeit der Wolfe. Der Wolfe. Der Wolfe. Little Wolfe. I thought it would have been der Lupin. Lupin. That's French. Number one. That's French. But that it's got there's an umlaut over uh, Zart Ooh, Zart a heavy, me- heavy metal film here. Yeah, <laughs> make it, that'd make a pretty good metal band. Tenderness of the Wolves, or at least the name yeah, of an it album. Kind of sound like a, it sounds like an album or something. Yeah, for sure. An album. Yeah. So we're gonna get into those two. But uh, what have you been watching over this uh, Christmas and? Uh, well, I've been years? yeah, I've been very busy. I think I spoke with you uh, through messaging. Uh, a couple weeks back, and that I'd been working more than I'd been home, which was miserable. And uh, that was a couple weeks back. That was a really, real marathon. So I didn't really watch a whole lot. I haven't really watched a whole lot of stuff over the last couple weeks. I've only watched like maybe two things, counting the stuff for the films and uh, the films for the show and stuff. I just just haven't had time. I've just been so damn busy in the holidays and 
just been chaos anyway. Uh, but I did uh, start the cram jam. I, I didn't label this a cram jam uh, when I started to watch it, but uh, I wanted to get this one out of the way early because, well, because it's a three-hour art house Russian, a Russian Russian art house film. So and this wanted, one has been getting a lot of buzz. Hard to be a god, you said, right? Yeah, hard to be a god. Yeah. And uh, I had been reading about it for some time uh, because the director had died during uh, you know post production. Um, I had never seen any of his films, but his son kind of took it on, and some of his uh, loved ones kind of took it on, tried to finish it. And I'd been reading about it in festivals and then, you know, festival reports and things like that, and people saying it's unlike any film they've ever seen. I, I got to agree, this is unlike any movie I've ever seen. Seriously. There's, yeah, there's nothing I've ever seen quite like this. It's it's very bizarre. It's very beautiful. It's very gross. And, man, I mean, it's it's really gross. Is it like a Bellatar kind of challenge? Like Bellatar meets... Um... <sighs> it's not that glacial. It's not that no, it's slow. not that glacial. Okay, okay. But no, it's like three no, no, hours, no. right? Yeah, but it is three hours long. I mean, it, it's it's dealing with a lot of stuff. Essentially what it is, it's it's about these these scientists that travel to another planet. And, and at first, for, for when you hear me say this, you think sci-fi. So you're thinking Tarkovsky or something like yeah, that. Tarkovsky. But, yeah, Tarkovsky. Yeah, exactly. But... It doesn't really have that kind of feel at all. It, well, it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't really have that feel at all. So basically, these scientists go travel to a planet that's like Earth. They get there. They find out that, and you, and you see none of this. It kind of just throws you right into it, but this is kind of the setup, so not to spoil anything. Uh, they they realize this planet got to the Middle Ages, but it, it didn't have a renaissance. Okay. Everything kind of stopped, and education became education, and books and things like that became banned. Oh, boy. So human life kind of peaked at the middle ages and these scientists kind of get involved and some of them maybe one of them tends to like it more than the rest of them did uh and and you get into a whole bunch of ethical questions of humanity uh, power uh what's right what's wrong it's a really 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 dense and really 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 complicated movie It'll probably make my top 30. I don't know where it'll make my top 30, but it's going to make it strictly on the basis that I don't think I'll see any other movie like this this, this year. I don't think anything else will, will challenge me this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I want to watch it again, which is crazy because it's three hours. I mean, it, it is a long movie, but it, it it's, in, it's in black and white, too. I should warn you. <laughs> it's three hours long. It's in black and white. It's Russian. Uh, so... <laughs> Right now, at least fifty percent of our listeners are probably like, "Ooh, I don't know." But if you if you like if you're up to the challenge of seeing something like this, and you know we we talked before about Russian films and Russian filmmakers, how they're kind of the overlooked country when it comes to the history of cinema oh, in a lot yeah, of ways. They're they're masters. I mean, they're they're yeah. just masters of the craft. Yeah, and we and we, of course we know the names you're supposed to know, but they 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 have a certain Russian films just have a certain look and a feel. Yeah, that is kind of well. I mean, it's like French films or like American films or, or Italian films. <laughs> yeah, or Italian films. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they just have a look and a feel. So if you're into that kind of thing, if you're into Tarkovsky, if you're into Eisenstein, if you're into, I don't know, name it, the, the guy that did uh, Letters Never Sent, all that kind of stuff. Oh yes, yes. I think you'll be into this, um, but I, I I should just warn folks, you know, y- you can't go into it kind of half-ass. Because it, it's a very dense and very complicated movie. And I think a lot of people are going into it with and coming out saying, I don't even know what it was about. But so I shouldn't I think, be sexting while I'm watching it. No, 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 no. Although you might want to with some of the material in there. Nice. 
This has the grossest food eating scenes I've ever seen in any movie. Seriously. It has some of the grossest indoor living scenes I've seen ever seen in any movie. Worse than um Deathlock? Oh man, it's 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 bad. I mean it it is it is gross. I mean, what about Sweet stuff. Movie? Is it worse than Sweet Movie? In a lot of ways, it is. There's Ooh. this weirdness to the movie because, the, again, there's no renaissance. So people have no sense of kind of right and wrong when it comes to manners and things. There's a lot of shit. There's a lot of snot. There's a lot of... Ooh, I don't food. get down with snot, man. Ooh. Oh, there's well, a lot of snot. shit for that matter, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you better clarify that. <laughs> I better, I gotta, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be careful there, bae. Yeah. It might let some secrets slip out. Uh, Unintended. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of bodily fluids in the film, and they're real bodily fluids. I mean, these are scenes of, you know, real people doing these things. So it, it's a little harsh in that way. And it's not shocking, but, you know, it's not like it's exploitation. It's just done in a realistic manner, and uh, it just... You can feel the kind of nastiness and the muck coming off the society that's portrayed in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a, it's a really complicated movie. It's kind of hard to explain. I do think it's worth a watch. Certainly for someone like you who's adventurous, it's definitely worth a watch. Oh, I'm, I absolutely intend to see yeah. this before the crime. For, for people who aren't as adventurous, I would say probably skip it because it might not be your cup of tea at all. I mean, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I that's what I would say. I mean, I, I remember I watched it and uh, somebody messaged me. In fact, I can't remember who it was. Now off the top of my head, forgive me. And asked me, should I check it out? And I just basically said, well, let me tell you, it's three hours, black and white. It's in Russian. It, <laughs> you're going to you're gonna wonder if it's about anything. And at the same time, you're going to wonder, you know, what the hell am I? I mean, you're just going to wonder a lot. I think they pretty much said, no, nah, I don't think I'll check it out. So. Again, you know, this is a tough one. Not for everybody, but uh, worth a watch. Definitely in your case, though, definitely worth a watch. Oh, yeah, and, uh, nice. The only other thing I watched, I watched today, I watched uh, Love and Mercy. Some folks, uh, you know, that I, I'm friends with on Facebook quite love this film, and some people are having yeah. putting it in their top ten. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm a big Brian Wilson fan. Big, uh, Not a big Beach Boy fan so much, but I do like the Beach Boys quite a bit, and Brian Wilson and all that stuff. And So I thought I'd check it out. Paul Daniels really great in the film. John Cusack's fine. He's not really doing who's, anything. Who's Cusack in the film? He's Brian Wilson. They kind oh, of show he? two different. They kind of show two different sides of him. You know, the kind of young wonderkin, kind of going through some mental issues, and then they, and then they're kind of telling it in modern day when he's kind of in the '80s when he's with that doctor that's trying to help him and stuff. So, let's say the Cusack's characters, Cusack's Brian Wilson's kind of going through the film, mostly intoxicated on some type of psycho psychotherapy meds or something. So it's kind of a bizarre performance from him. Not really. A showstopper. Dano is really good as the you know he he kind of gets the meat because he gets the uh, you know he gets to show the the wonders of love and music and everything else and then he gets to do the point you know the nervous breakdown so he really gets to go mm-hmm. full tilt. Elizabeth Banks is in it. She's really good. Paul Giamatti uh, chews up every bit of you know I'm starting to think that Paul Giamatti as good an actor as he is he can't do anything. He's he's become like the Nicolas Cage of schlubby actors. That's so spot on. <laughs> I mean him so and Nick Cage should do a movie together or something. And, uh, you I mean, know what? They have. He, he, he somehow, he, and he's also like a stealth plane in that somehow all the bullshit checks he cashes fly below the radar. Yeah, he gets he away with a lot. checks. Yeah, he gets away with a lot of stuff. <laughs> oh, man. But, man, he, he, really, he really goes over the top as the kind of Dr. Eugene Landy character that's kind of taking care of Brian Wilson and kind of exploiting, him in, exploiting Brian Wilson and his money and his power and stuff in the 80s. And it, it's a good movie. I don't think it'll make my top 30. I liked it. Um, it's definitely worth a watch, uh, but 
I don't think it's you know a masterpiece in any way, shape, or form. I, I think it is a, a you know a good story, an interesting piece. If you want to see uh, some stuff about the Beach Boys, though, kind of stuff they went through and stuff Brian Wilson went through. So, good stuff. That's about it, man. I've, I, I haven't really been watching anything else. I mean, mostly uh, making a murderer on Netflix and things like that. So you're enjoying that. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, it's I watched the whole thing. It's ten episodes, about an hour long a piece. I think it could have been about. I think it could have been a six-hour series and would have gotten this point across just as good, but it is good. It is very good. Okay. Even my wife's watching it, so that ought to tell you something. Yeah, I know. She she's, she's vexed, man. She's getting worked up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some people are uh, really getting worked up. Uh, I can understand. I can understand. There's some things. There's some manipulative things in there from the filmmakers, but, um, you know, it is good. It is worth a watch for sure, but other than that, not really watching much, man. Are you going to consider that for year end? Making a murderer? No, I don't. It's a series more. I mean, it's 10 hours long. And it's put together like a series. Um, so I wouldn't consider it for film. I would consider it more of a TV documentary type thing. Uh, I mean, like I said, you could make it like a four or five hour, six hour film, and it would probably be really potent. But uh, I don't think it's as good as like The Staircase. I don't know if you've ever seen The Staircase. I never have. I know Lemaire is a big fan of it. Yes, I'd definitely check out. It's, it's, it's not as good as that. Um, and, uh, that's about six hours and that works, that works really good. So I think this could have been that, but uh, it is good. I mean, I, I recommend checking it out, but I wouldn't, I mean, we're in the heat of the cram jam now and, uh, 10 hours, man. Fo- it's five, yeah, five fo- six hours. Yeah. And football playoffs. I mean, it's, Ooh, but, but you know, sadly, it's going to be taking off time. Yeah. <laughs> sadly, you and I won't, may not get to watch much past the first round with any real heart in it. So no, that's true. That's true. We'll I mean, it, it could be a rough playoff I'm for uh, both of us. But then again, we're both in, so that's all it takes. We need you need to get yeah. an advance to the an, an advance an invite to the dance. Yeah, at least in your case, I know you guys lost on Sunday, but at least in your case, you were already in. Yes. For me, man, I even texted you after after we got in. I was like, you know, man, <laughs> what are the odds that Rex Ryan beats the Bills again? I beats the Jets again. Oh, and man, I was I was like I, I was the biggest Bills fan on oh, Sunday. Yeah. I was rooting, oh, yeah. hooting, and hollering, jumping around the living room. It's unbelievable. Yeah, when you get into those situations when the dominoes have to fall a certain way, it's uh... yeah, because that would have been three years in a row for the Steelers to miss the playoffs. So that would have been. Would it have been? They haven't made it. No, oh, actually, I think they were in last year, weren't they? Were they? Weren't they in last year? I think they were. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it would have been three out of the last four years they would have missed. Let's put it that way. Man, it doesn't feel like that. Perception's reality, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the AFC's been tough, man. I mean, it's... It's been real tough, yeah. It's no NFC East, that's for sure. Whatever the hell that division is. It's never going to get easier. That's the thing. Every year you think, well, this team's getting older. Let's not forget, you know, Romo was hurt most of the year. Even though Dallas is a little bit of a grease fire, they'll find a way. I mean, you know, out west, the Falcons are going to get it right out south. I mean, the west, they get it. You know, it, just, it never gets easier, man. Teams emerge and... Yeah, I remember what I told you when the Packers beat the Steelers in the Super Bowl. I was like, man, I hope you guys get a, a couple here. more because if you don't get a couple more, I mean, that, that dream, it fades so fast. Buddy, Rodgers is 32 now. Yeah, I mean, that it's team just amazing was young. how quick. That team was young when they when they yeah. won. I know. Everyone's five years older in football times. That's like that's like double that. That's like 10 years older. Clay Matthews oh, yeah. is 30, 31 years old. Yeah. Julius Peppers is 37, still chasing. I mean, it's it goes, man. It goes. It goes, it goes even Big Ben's like what, 34, 35? Yeah, he's getting up there. Yeah, he's oh. getting up there for sure. You know, so maybe uh, maybe a few more years left and of uh, you know another bowl, but I don't know if it'll happen. 
Well, it's tough. I mean, they got some young weapons around them, but who, who's going to become the, the signal caller? It's yep, exactly. Very difficult. Um, I watched a fair bit actually. Uh, not as much as I would have liked, but oh, who am I kidding? I watched a lot. Then I'm looking at it. <laughs> yeah, I to say, judging from the Facebook post, you've seen quite a bit over the last couple yeah. weeks. Okay, so let's start with this one. I saw Star Wars: Force Awakens with my kids. Yeah. I've made it known, um, or not made it known, but it. I think it's you know kind of commonly known amongst people that I'm good friends with. It. I like the films. I don't love them. They're not sure tied into my childhood in a way that a lot of people. Are. I've seen the, the original series a couple times, maybe. Um, saw the the new three, the newer three, like one two episodes one two three in theaters. They came out. I didn't have a real problem with them. They weren't you know riveting art by any means, but I didn't have any skin in the game, so they're fine. Yeah, yeah. Saw this one. It's quite good. Um, it, it's not top 30 material for me, though. But I, I think, and I say this as someone who has equal, equally sort of no skin in either game, I feel like Abrams did a better job with the first. If I'm looking at it as, as sort of a cold observer, I feel like the, his original Star Trek film mm-hmm. is a better film for me than this. Yeah. This is still good, though, and it's fun. And there's. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I wasn't going to say anything. I, I, I was going to go see it, but uh, the more and more I read about it, uh, the more and more I realized that it's just really a reboot, and I really don't want to. I really don't want to go through the reboot phase again. So it's very fun. Don't get me wrong. It's a fun mm-hmm. film. I think Abrams has done a pretty good job of giving fans what they want without and and bringing new breathing new life into the franchise and sort of passing the baton off. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I'll still see it eventually. Yeah, it's like, we're absolutely worth seeing. You know, my kids enjoyed it. I think they made a mistake by taking off Kylo Ren's mask too early in the film, frankly. He looks great. Yeah. And and I got to give it up to them, you know. Um, I don't want to spoil anything, but I, I like that there's more representation, some more cultural and gender representation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, know, yeah that, which that, that's is good important, thing. right? It's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it was good. Um, next up, I watched Through a Glass Darkly. Um, Good old Ingmar. Oh but, yeah, the Ingmar film. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one hell of a filmmaker. It's the understatement of the year. But as I get older, I, I learn to really appreciate his films. As I've said before, this one's a dense, complex film. It's um, fantastic, though. Let's fantastic. put it this way: Ingmar would like would have liked Hard to Be a God. Yeah, I can imagine he would. I can imagine he would probably. <laughs> he would have. He would have liked it. Yes. This one's fantastic, though. Uh, cut it on the Criterion. Um. Really ahead of its time. Pretty daring. Tremendous performances all around. I think you only got three or four people in the entire film. It's fantastic. Um, mm. It'll definitely be in my year-end top 30 for first-time watches. Uh, nice. He's a dense filmmaker that isn't as cold as I thought at first blush. I think, yes. he's, a, I think he's a complex filmmaker. But I didn't know this until I watched some of the features on the disc. He grew up as the son of um, a high-ranking either priest or, or man who was, who worked with the church. Mm. So the themes that of faith and guilt and all these things were really woven into his life in a way yeah. beyond even just the faith, because it was his, it was his family's, you know, life. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then we watched the Rankin Bass special, which my kids had never seen. Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh yeah. Yeah. I That's, watched that this year too, man. Did, uh, how, how did your boy like it? He liked it okay. You know, the the rank the rank of bass stuff is kind of bizarre to him because he's not used to seeing that kind of, you know, yeah, 
it's just a little bit more smoothness in his animation. Oh, for sure. Because we watched, you know, we watched like I think we watched like an hour of the box trolls, and you know that's really, I mean, that's incredibly animated. I don't know if you've seen any of that. I, I did, and it's it's tremendous to look at. Yeah, I mean, it's the same guy people did Paranorman, so it's amazing to look at. Oh yeah. Um, he didn't really love the film, so I never really cataloged it or checked it into Letterboxd or anything because we only watched an hour of it. But he couldn't get into it. But I mean, he did watch an hour of it. He kind of mesmerized, but. He likes Rudolph, but uh, Santa Claus is coming to town not not as much. Rudolph really is the kind of crown jewel, I think, for yeah, their the Christmas citizen Kane of the of the Christmas specials. specials. Yeah, it totally <laughs> is. It totally is. But this one's good, and it's got my favorite name for a heavy ever in a film. <laughs> yeah. Burger Meister Meisterburger. <laughs> yes, that's a that's a classic right there, man. <laughs> I even my asked my son, that. "You don't want to watch Burger Meister Meisterburger?" It's so fun to say, man. I got my kids saying it. I was calling my wife Burger Meister. Everyone was getting called Burger Meister, man. <laughs> Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> um, so I'm quite, I am quite the burgermeister oh, myself. Aren't we all? <laughs> aren't we all? Um, followed up the burgermeister with uh, a film, my favorite film of all time. I had a pretty golden opportunity. <laughs> we should have seen the burgermeister in 70 millimeter, but I had the chance to see Santa Fe Campanas the Wild Bunch in 70 millimeter with my dad on on what we call boxing. Yes, yeah, I, I saw that. I saw the tickets. I was like, ooh, nice. Man, this was this was something else. I'd never seen it on the big screen. They had a nice seventy millimeter print. Looks real good, man. It's it's you know lovingly uh, you know maintained. The film again, an obvious thing, but it really holds holds true for me. And it's I think they programmed it on on Boxing Day, which is December twenty sixth for for those not in the Commonwealth. Um, it's our Black Friday. Uh, as sort of not counter programming, but I think kind of complementary program because I think Hateful Eight it was getting a run the whole seventy millimeter thing. So it's kind of a it's kind of tough luck for Tarantino that I watched this before I watched uh, his film, which I'll get to in a few minutes. Uh, because I mean, this just holds true for me. It, it just it's my favorite film, and it's it's a deep deep film. I just noticed some little things. I can't even remember all of them now, but watching it again, just some little things I picked up on and gestures and looks and throwaway lines that. Work real well. It, it's it's mm-hmm. a fantastic piece, man. And that end, you know, the end, as we always talk about, the decision, right? Yeah, it's a great Tremendous. scene. Oh. <laughs> it's, Next, it's a great moment. I mean, it's oh, it's like the moment. It's the wild bunch moment. That's what they call it. That you know? I got chills when you just said that, man. I envisioned that, and it's just uh, there's something yeah. romantic about it too, from a masculine standpoint of. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, you know, in in reality, you know, if you have a family and you have people, it's a stupid decision, right? Oh, yeah, that's the wood. But in the stupid. sense of masculine lone heroes, people with nothing to lose. Harry macho bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's a Harry macho bullshit. Yeah, it's totally, it totally, it, it, it reaches into that kind of id that's in all men, I think. I think it kind of tickles it, it a little bit, you know. If Zeus was a Harry macho bullshit moment in film, he would be that scene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Hercules would be like, the fireman's carry in, uh, yeah. in uh, <laughs> Dark of yeah. the Sun. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But, uh, you know, great stuff, obviously. Next time I followed, I followed uh, that up with a real turd in the punch bowl. We watched, uh, I can't say this, too, well, my son's asleep, but he'd be bummed if he heard me say this, but we watched The Good Dinosaur. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, you went and saw that, too. I forgot you went Man, and saw that. This is the worst film Pixar has ever done. Oh, yeah? It's terrible. It's terrible, man. It really, there's nothing. To me, there was nothing redeeming about it. Ouch. This this looked like one of those, one of those like uh, Chinese or Indian 
animated films that you would see that were made on the cheap and exported and dubbed in English for Netflix. Ouch. Yeah, I know. I know it was awful, about. man. I mean, it was really bad. I really didn't like it at all. I don't have anything good to say. You know, uh, I like yeah, nothing cars. good about the good dinosaur. Yeah. No, I can't the say bad dinosaur. The bad dinosaur. <laughs> I hated the kid in it. He's like this feral child. Just I didn't like it, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, you know, it deals with it's kind of like a riff on the Lion King, which I guess is kind of good that you can have that conversation with your kids or it, it kind of gently broaches it. But William know. liked it, though. Braden, no, he tuned out, but well, I mean, Braden did. Yeah, Braden, Braden did you say William liked it? No. No. no, Braden did. William didn't. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, he really William tuned out, huh? Yeah, he's uh, moving on. He's like, yeah, this is this is this is crap. Yeah, he's always, <laughs> he's becoming a real sport. I was like, my wife's like, he created a monster. He's just sports all the time. It's like, buddy, like, little culture in your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but he's, yeah, he's well, still you know, good. You know, kids, kids. It's all about phases. It's all about mm-hmm. phases. Oh, it's true. I mean, he still, you know, he still digs on films. Certainly, he he watched. You know, he still watches films, but he's really become a sport now. Um. Next up, we watched Creed. My wife and I had a little date night. She wanted to see it. I was happy to oblige uh, a rewatch because I'd seen it with my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a great film. It's going to be in my top thirty of the year. Um, nice, nice. I'll pull back. The, I don't think it's going to be top ten or twenty, probably. But yeah. you know, again, uh, I have high hopes for it as well because it'll it'll play to all those things I, you know, I like. It it, it will it will, and you know what? That's fine. It it does them well. Um, those manipulations, like in Warrior. Oh, a man. film that I a film that I didn't see coming and it hit me with a hit me with a one two punch that uh, put me on my ass. <laughs> oh, big time, man! No, this this is good. It'll hit you, and I think the, again, much. I think if I'm going to look at this and I'm going to compare this to Star, well, no, that's an unfair comparison. I was going to say in terms of breathing new life or passing the baton, I think they both do a pretty admirable job. I think this does a little bit of a more admirable job, but yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and I'm not bagging on Star, but it was good. It was. It, I can think it can be deemed a success. Um, Speaking of successes, I then decided for my absolute last – no, that's not my lied. I What I thought was going to be my last watch of the year, I want to watch a real hot piece of garbage because, um, let's face it, you know, I knew I was going to be cramming in like two days. Yes. So I watched a film called Run, Coyote, Run, <laughs> which 1987 – Great uh, year. Yeah, great year. <laughs> this, this film, I mean, it's a fitting kind of uh, – tale surrounding this film this film was lost but in 2014 it was discovered in the trunk of a used car <laughs> and then it was what released. a great story i love the story I, just, I mean the stories don't get much better than that <laughs> it's such a piece of junk i'd love to i was laughing watching it thinking about notes we would have had this oh, dude yeah, we gotta do it we gotta do it this dude james bryan the director he graduated top of his class from the Godfrey Ho School of Filmmaking, he took five different films, edited them together, shot a bit of new footage about a middle-aged, frumpy, psychic female detective <laughs> with the FBI, and it's a, it's a, I mean, it's a real piece of work, man. It's a real <laughs> piece of work. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've, I've read about it a few times. It's something else, man. It's but, uh, something I, knew, I knew the story behind it, but I've never seen it, so I, I have to check it out. Some people have compared it to like, sort of like the Godfrey Ho version of like Inland Empire or something, and it's kind of that. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, it's so bizarre. Kind of this meta. It's very strange. It's very the very Godfrey strange. Ho version of Inland Empire. <laughs> 
someone had said Lynchian, and I have to assume they were going with sort of uh, <laughs> Inland Empire. Yeah. That's what it feels like, man. Yeah. Uh, but it's something that's else. another three-hour film that's hard to explain to anybody. You either get it or you don't. That's right, man. That's right. Um, had my nieces and nephews over. We did a little skating day in their you know, late teens, early 20s. I had to find a film that was going to play to everyone's taste, including my son's. So we threw on Ant-Man for a rewatch. Yeah. It's a good one, man. Uh, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but... Um, no, not yet. It's a fun one, man. I think you're going to dig it. It's Again, I don't know if it'll make my top 30, but it would definitely be at least an honorable mention. I had a lot of fun with it. I have no problem having it in my collection. It's it's a solid, solid film. It's fun. Um, everyone's having fun in it. Douglas adds a nice little bit of class. Um you know, it's a fun, fun film. I think, I think as we've said before, the kind of the B-side superhero films like Guardians and this, I think they've, I've had more fun with them than I have some of the other stuff. So that was good. Um, then a film that's really kind of been on my list of shame as kind of a crime film, kind of pulpy film guy for a long time. I finally, finally knocked off the nickel ride from my uh, shame list. Oh, yeah, the nickel ride. I saw you watch that. And this is something else. This is fantastic, fantastic Jason Miller should have worked more. It's a, yeah. it's a real shame he didn't. Um, this kind of feels like the West Coast, not quite as good version of something like uh, Eddie Coyle, and that you're dealing with kind of um, uh, working class criminals trying to keep their head above water. Their world's falling to shit. Yeah, great use of uh, of shadows. Uh, really good, good, good stuff, man. Really good stuff. Uh, another one that would be good to review at some point in the show. Uh, next up, my final film of uh, 2015. Decided I'd go European, wanted to go to France. So I did uh, The Common Man, or Dupont La Joie, which uh, is uh, directed by Yves Boisset, who's a pretty good filmmaker. I've seen about, I don't know, five or six of his films over the years, including the original Running Man he did, the, uh, Le Prix du Dager, which I think we've mentioned on the show before. Yeah, we have talked about that before. I think we talked about it during The Running Man. Yes, we did. In fact, he, he did the French one, but then just before that was the the Dutch one, which or not Dutch, the German one, which I can't remember what that was called. But anyway, Bosse is a really fantastic filmmaker, really interesting. He's kind of like um, Louis Mal in that he kind of jumped around to different genres and I don't think quite gets the credit he deserves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, this this film to me is his weakest film, though. It It's kind of timely, too. Looks at these kind of middle class. Um, right. Go ahead. That's okay. Uh, middle class, upper, middle class, or kind of yeah, I guess middle class uh, families that are going on a vacation and they go camping and one of the husbands or the fathers. Uh, this isn't a spoiler. He rapes and kills one of his friend's teenage daughters and then they blame it on um, one of the Algerian men working at a construction site nearby. And shit hits the Louise, man. That's a vacation. That's a vacation foul. Yeah, man. That's a that's a bad move. Uh, it's it's sadly it's still very timely. You know, forty years on, got, one, yeah. got a guy who's becoming one of my absolute favorite. Uh, it, it's too on the nose. I will say that with its class commentary, um, but a guy that's becoming one of my absolute favorite French character actors, Jean uh, Buisse, B O U I S E. Got a must. He always, he always plays an inspector in films or a judge in films. Got glasses and a mustache. What, yeah, I'm trying to think of what I know him from. You'll, you see his face, you'll know him. You'll absolutely mm-hmm. know him. I mean, he's just one of these guys, real character face, B-O-U-I-S-E, John Boyce. Boyce. Um, 
Real good actor, though. Um, he's he's my favorite thing in the film. Uh, like I said, not great, but but solid. Uh, let me jump into 2016. Man, I gotta fucking pick up the pace here. Certainly, another silver and gold, or uh, should we say, call to muscle opening? Yeah. <laughs> Veiny and throbbing, and yeah. um, open the year with the hateful eight. The hateful eight. Yes, I've heard of this. Mm. So I should say the ridiculous six. Um, yeah, it's a little different. Probably a little different. <laughs> yeah, from the ridiculous six. Okay, so Morcone's score for the film slays. It's well shot. Mm-hmm. Production design's pretty solid. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee's amazing. Sam's amazing. Goggins is great. Kurt's fine. Kurt's good. Everyone's pretty good. It's a better film than Django. Um, I'm not being coy here. It probably won't make my top 30 of the year. Right, right. I still had some problems with it. I think the way Tarantino, and someone had said this to me, a good friend Leslie of the show, and I were talking about this. I feel like he takes his violence too far in the way that he's a bit tone deaf with some of his jokes, much like Michael Bay is. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard it's hard to be more tone deaf than that but but, uh, but he is i feel like he is a little bit like he uses um jennifer jason lee's character she gets just smashed around kind of for comedic effect and some of the the like the shootings in the film are just much like in django there's that one scene in the shootout in the uh the entrance to the film the the, home, the uh the plantation house. plantation house where it's just comical it's ridiculous it kind of takes you out of it well yeah there's like there's like bomb there's like uh air raid bomb sounds going off yeah there's a few shots in this where people lose heads from pistol shots mm. there's like real splattery kind of it's excessive and i just i feel like i you know i just feel like he can't get out of his own way with some of his impulses and some of the stuff he's going for i think as much as i love channing tatum i think he's miscast mm-hmm. i think he cast him as a flight of fancy to try to take someone that everyone loves much like, you know, and he's, he knows his film history so much like Henry Fonda would have done in once upon a time in the West. Yeah. Make him a heavy. It just doesn't work. I just feel like he's indulging. And this one, I think his last film, he, he, um, pandered. I just feel like this one's maybe a little too indulgent, but in saying that it's a three hour film that flew by for me. Um, there is a lot to like, um, but it probably won't make my top 30. So I'm be very curious when you see this, um, how it shakes out for you. I think you might like it a little more than me, but I can't see it being your you know top 10 of the year or anything. Yeah, I don't know. don't know. don't really know uh, what I'll think of it yet. I've seen, you know, some people like it quite a bit. Some people, uh, nobody's hated it that I've seen. Rufus uh, didn't dig it. He gave it like a four. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, and uh, I think uh, Joe didn't like it that much. Yeah, Joe was with five. me. Joe was like... You know, right around me, six, seven, seven, five. I'd say like a seven, five. I mean, you know, still but, pretty good. Still a pretty yeah. good film, but you know, I mean, it's not enough to cut it. Um, then I, you know, Cramalama Ding Dong was in full, full effect, so I decided to watch Turbo Kid. Did you see Turbo Kid? I feel like you did. Yeah, I did. I watched Turbo Kid. Yeah, and I did not. I like didn't know you watched Turbo Kid. Yeah, I did. I did not like it. Oh, you didn't like Turbo Kid. I, I hated Turbo Kid. <laughs> I love Turbo Kid. <laughs> Man, I, it might have been, you know, I'd come back from watching Hateful Eight. I was tired. I decided to throw on another movie like an idiot. I hated Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid's pretty loud and aggressive, though. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty, I could see where if you were tired, it would probably be a more irritating movie than it would be a pleasant watch. 
Yeah, I just feel like, and I know a lot of our friends love it, I feel like when you fetishize a decade to the point where that becomes the style of your film, and okay, I get it, he's got a viewfinder around his neck, and he has, rides a BMX bike, I feel like it's this millennial generation is kind of too on the nose with their their chill wave and 80s kind of homage. Mm. It gets to be too much. Like, listen, it follows, kind of feels 80s, even though they try to make it timeless, but it's never to the detriment of the film. Yeah. This, I just feel like it, it's to the detriment of the film a little bit. Mm. I still applaud them for making the film. Yeah. I'm glad that films like this exist, but it just didn't work for me the way I would have liked it to. Especially, I wanted to see Ironside. I mean, Ironside's fun enough, but it feels just too kind of on the nose, um, prefab cult. Jason Iser produced it. No no surprise. Not to slag on him. You know, good on him. Canadian boy done well, but I don't know, man. It didn't work for me. But again, it might have been because I just finished watching a three-hour film. Well, I mean, it could be that, but it also could be the same thing like with Zom and Hobo. You know, it just some things just don't compute, right? Mm-hmm. No, it's yeah, true. Again, it, I think that's a very subjective movie anyway. I don't think Turbo Kid's a movie that everybody will get or enjoy. No, this is true. This is true. Uh, jumped into our fourth Harry Potter film as a family. It's going to become our thing to watch them together. We watched uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. So we're halfway yes. through the series at this point. And the series is still fantastic. Uh, Brendan Gleeson shows up in this one. Yeah, with the crazy ad. And he has yeah, crazy yeah, he's ad. got a fucking crazy eye in this. Matt uh, Moody or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you did you read the books or did you? See- yeah, yeah. I read the books a long time ago, um, but uh, I remember that they cast him in that. I'm always keeping track of Brendan because I like him a lot. Oh yeah, he's fun. He's a lot of fun in it. Yeah. Obviously, I mean, he's great. Like in- I said, I'm sure I'll watch those films at some point in my lifetime. But at the time I watched the first one, I just did not like it, and <laughs> maybe that's because it was you know my 28 year old self watching it or something. 29 year old self watching it. it may not have been the right time for me to be watching that movie. Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> But this was a good steady I – mean, I, I don't know where it sits for me out of the four. It's right middle of the road. But all four of them have been at least 775 for me. This introduces some nice. dragons and stuff, which, again, I'm not a fantasy guy per se. But it's introducing some more things. And some other schools are coming into play here. Like, you know, there's the the French school of magic. And they're kind of building the world, right? Yeah. Boom, to sort of be on the walls of Hogwarts. So, yeah, it's good. And I really love uh, – what's his name in it? Uh, he plays Hagrid. Um Oh, uh, Robbie, uh, Robbie, ne- no, Robbie Coltrane, Neville. Robbie Neville, fuck's sakes. <laughs> Coltrane. Say la vie. Yeah. Robbie Coltrane. <laughs> Say la vie. Jesus. That'd be a different film, man. He, that'd be, that would be a bad casting. Yeah, man. man. Lionel Richie is mad. Uh, moody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right, man. Amazing. Bobby Womack as uh, Dumbledore. <laughs> oh, now we're talking. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Um, <laughs> Ice tea is Hermione. <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, Coco, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Coco. Oh, Ice tea is Harry Potter and Coco is Hermione. There you That'd go. That'd be amazing. <laughs> who would, then, who would, would you get as Ron Weasley? I would be throwing money down right now to see that movie. Let me yeah. tell you. <laughs> Absolutely. Who'd you get as Ron Weasley then? <laughs> oh, uh, that would, uh, mm, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think, man. Uh, Red Man, maybe? Maybe just go with Red Man since we're go. staying in the hip hop world and kind of soul world. <laughs> That's right, man. <laughs> he doesn't really, he's not doing anything nowadays. Just want to throw no, him in there. No more right guard commercials, man. <laughs> yeah. Chasing the right guard paper. Chasing that antiperspirant paper. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
lucrative business there man. hey man chuck barkley chased it for a while he made a little a little nest egg out of it man all those like uh, indiana jones commercials almost (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, i remember those safari hat uh what does he say anything less would be uncivilized (laughs) nice i remembered all these years later those ads worked there you go um next up i had another more cram it's gonna be all cram from here on out i watched final girls uh, this is one I've gotten some love in the community, and I, and I gotta say, you know, um, I don't know if it'll be top thirty, but uh, it's worth checking out. It cool. looks it looks fantastic. It does have heart. Um, it doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it does it well enough and with enough heart that I can't see as a horror movie fan people not at least having a smile on their face. And at first, I kind of had my guard up. I thought, oh, here we go. I get it. I get it. And a meta, you know. But it, it it's good enough, man. It's it was fine, you know. It's it's funny. I laughed out loud at a couple parts. And there's a dude in it. Um, he's on the show Workaholics, which I really have been meaning to get into for a while now. He plays kind of like the the meathead, horny frat boy in it, and he's fucking hilarious. Nice, hilarious. Um, next up, I saw I get I got this app Upflix on my phone that tells me all this stuff that comes out every day on Netflix. Right. So a few days ago, the, the Four Falls of Buffalo, ESPN 30 for 30, about uh, the Buffalo Bills came on. I could not wait. Oh, to yeah, yeah. I saw that, and I was going to you know, hit you up and tell you it was on there, but I was like, you know what? He's got Upflix. He'll see it. Oh, man. And this was fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's I, good. I think this one tilts more towards sports fan, but I think there is enough of a human elephant. of human elephant. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Written by Robbie Neville. Um, yeah, <laughs> Robbie Neville. <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> There's enough of a human element in this one that it could appeal to a non-sports fan. Um, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think it obviously it appeals more to, you know, people who appreciate what they did. Oh. But I think that even if you're not a fan, you could appreciate what, what you know, what they went through uh, from the human side. From a human because, side and society. Yeah. and Yeah. Because the odds of that happening again. I don't think it's going to happen again. I don't think it'll ever happen again. Yeah, I don't. And I'm glad. I, mean, I, I hate to sound like my grandfather he used to say that about you know back to back World Series and back to back this and blah blah blah. But I really, honestly, I don't think it ever it'll ever happen again. No, and for those that don't know, the Buffalo Bills, very blue collar working class town in upstate New York, the Bills are their identity in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. They went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all four in varying degrees of spectacular and not so spectacular fashion. Yes, and they persevered, and the city loved them. Um, it, it, it's good. It's very good. I quite liked it. It has a good shot to make my top 30. I would argue there has never been, even though I, I was not a fan of them at the time, I did not like them at the time because they would beat everybody. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they were in the AFC, so they would just they would just dismantle the Steelers and all that stuff. Oh, yeah. But uh, I would argue now in hindsight, looking back at them, that they were easily the greatest team in any sport to never win anything. I would agree. And they even said never they win championship. eight, eight. Hall of Famers on that team. Yeah, it's amazing. It's just, it, it's a tragedy. I, never, I felt so bad, man. I felt so bad watching it, especially the first one, of course. The first one was the toughest, but oh, it's, a, it's a real sad, it's sad, man. It's real sad. But it, it ultimately, you know, it, there's some uplifting yeah. stuff in it. But. That first one was heartbreaking. It was a great game. Oh, yeah. And, of course, I, you know, it was just a great game. And, and that's what you want out of a Super Bowl. You want that drama. That was, you know, whether it plays out your way or not, that's what you want. You want the memory. Mm-hmm. The next three, I was so positive Buffalo was going to win them that I hardly even watched them. Yeah. And 
it's 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 sad in hindsight because I can well I mean I think one or two of them weren't weren't very good but no the the Dallas ones yeah but and I hated Dallas so much that I wouldn't watch I wouldn't watch them because I didn't want either team I didn't but I was so sure Buffalo was going to win I was like ah no need to watch these so regretfully I didn't watch those as 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 much as I did that first one that first one seemed like a more even matchup even though I thought the Giants were going to get dismantled but everyone did the Bills did too as you know they talked on the documentary. Yeah, sadly. I know it's. Yeah, sadly they did. They uh, they yeah. had a little too much fun. Yeah, they partied a little too much, man. That's too bad. Yeah, that next year they weren't going to do that. No. Yeah, no. they were all business. But then the D line coach opened his mouth about the hogs in Washington, and they added that to make him look like such a cackling buffoon. Yeah, yeah, that that, that is sometimes sometimes the manipulative nature of documentary filmmaking yeah. can be a little much. Uh, you know. Obviously, he's a guy. You know, these these are human beings. They're having some fun. Yeah. Uh, pro sports, you know, you like it or hate it. Uh, sports is a psychological uh, thing as much as it is a physical thing. You know, these guys they they do these media days. They're trying Emotional to get inside thing, people's yeah. heads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. You want to you want to you want to scare people a little bit. You want to freak them out. I mean, you know, that's what you want to do. Absolutely, man. That's so, absolutely it. Yeah. Yeah, they shouldn't have done that with the Redskins, though. No, bad move, man. Bad move. <laughs> uh, that was bad the move. first. That was the first Super Bowl I remember watching start to finish. Yeah. Because I was a Bills that was, a ripping, was that the Rippin' one? Yeah, that was Rippin', man. Yeah, that's right. That was Rippin'. Rippin' and Rippin'. Yeah, man. That's right. Uh, a couple more I watched. I watched Amy, the Amy Winehouse documentary, but, but to the screen by the team that did Senna, which is one of yeah. the best documentaries of the past five or six years, for my money, Still and yours yeah. as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big Amy Winehouse fan. I mean, I wouldn't say, like, I'm... You know, I know yeah. everything. You don't have posters on your wall or anything. No, but, no. but her, musically, <laughs> I mean, I've, I've always been a big fan. She's a, an all-time talent. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, I, you know the, unfortunately, as she rose in the Internet age, became as pervasive as it was, it was sad to see that uh, car crash uh, unfold. Before yeah. Us. It, it yeah, was terrible. It was, it was terrible. Terrible. And when you watch this, I mean, it, it's it's really sad, man. It's, it's, it, it's good. I mean, it, it's not like... It doesn't dwell on things in sort of misery form, but it it shows that it was, you know, uh, a perfect storm. Yeah, human beings are frail, man. Oh, and she was a frail person to begin with. And then you yep. add in enablers and leeches and yeah, it's a bad celebrity deal. accessibility, yeah. inability to cope. Uh, it, it just, you know, created an inevitable, you know, in hindsight, uh, you know, just a march towards something that couldn't have gone either way, sadly. But... It's too bad. It, it's very good. It'll it'll probably be top thirty material. Yeah. I don't think it's as good as Senna. Um, I'll say that. But yeah, Senna's really good. Senna's on another level. Yeah, it's really good. Um, wife and I decided to kick another one out uh, at the local multiplex. It was her choice. She wanted to see the Big Short, so we did. Well, that thing's got an insane cast. It does have an insane cast, and Adam McKay, who's known more for Anchorman films and the like. I think there's a pretty decent job transitioning to this material, um, which is kind of uh, dramedy, I guess, to use a cute Mm -hmm, term. mm -hmm. Uh, It's a good film. Uh, The cast are all fine, but the material doesn't light my world on fire. Yeah, it doesn't. For me, I'll see it eventually, but it doesn't. I feel like that material has been told a few times already now, and I'm kind of done with that material. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the uh, you know like remember how you felt when Green Zone came out? Yeah, with the Matt Damon film, you felt yeah. like okay, I'm I'm kind of done with this. You know, we all were. I think yeah. we all were. Uh, they're kind of done with these. You know, 
Middle Eastern military dramas. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's how I kind of feel about that film. I mean, I'm kind of done with the these economic, uh, whatever they are, blah, blah, blahs genre. I'm kind of done with that. I think I've seen the better ver- ver- versions of those films already. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. Although I am interested because this does have, you know, it's got Ryan Gosling, it's got Christian Bale, Steve Carell. It's, right? Christian Bale's in there, right? Bale, and I said this to my wife when we were watching it last night. Gosling's great because he's playing like, uh, he play, it's weird. He feels like he's doing 80s Frank Langella or 70s more Jewish Ben, uh, Ben, uh, Ben Gazzara. I should say like a Jewish version nice. of uh, uh, Ben Gazzara. But more 80s Frank Langella than anything. Nice. Um, and he's fun in it. I love Gosling. But, and, and Pitt's, Pitt's good. Pitt's good. Carell's good. Oh, that's good. right. Pitt's in it, too. I forgot. Yeah, either. Pitt's good. Carell's good. Um, but Bale is so good in the film. And I don't know that it's the kind of film that's going to get him nominated. But people always talk about who's this, you know, who's this generation's De Niro. For my money, I think it's Christian Bale. Might be. Uh, he he really effortlessly I think can do so much. Uh, he does yeah he does he can do anything. He inhabits roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, he really inhabits roles. Um, he was great in the film. Uh, and then another guy that was a, a big uh, kind of um, uh, Tracy Letts shows up actually in it too, which is kind of odd. I thought of you. Marissa <clears throat> um, Tomei has a thankless kind of role. Um, but uh, I'm trying to find his name here. Jeremy Strong is the actor's name. He plays Steve Carell's character's right-hand man. He was another kind of revelation for me, kind of in the way that um, the kid that played – the kid, he's probably older than me. The guy that played um, uh, Stallone's son in that Stallone, the boxing comedy from a few years ago. Oh, uh, Joe Bernthal. Joe Bernthal. This guy kind of is like that for me, kind of a discovery. I thought he was pretty good. This guy was in Lincoln – the Judge, he was in Zero Dark Thirty, The Happening. Jeremy Strong's his name. He, he puts in a really good performance. I know who you're talking about. I can't place his face right out. You know, like he's in Selma, Black yeah. he's been in He's been in quite a few uh, powerhouse movies over yeah. the last few years. Yeah, he has. He, he's a good actor, though. I like him. I like to see him do some more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my wife and I finished it off. We decided to do a double, and uh, we did Joy. And Pain. No. Yeah. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of pain, but... Uh, this is a good film. Uh, again, won't make my top thirty. Oh, that's uh, David Russell. That's the David Russell Jennifer Lawrence film, right? That's right. That's right. Okay. Biopic, quote unquote, or inspired by true events. Yeah, um, Miracle Mop. Miracle Mop. Miracle Mop. Mop. That's right. And I, for that's some right. reason, I didn't know that. I didn't watch a trailer for it because, frankly, <sighs> Russell's film. The past three or four films he's made, I feel like he's getting progressively more. He's finding he's. He's doing this kind of cutesy pie kitchen sink thing for the past three or four films that it's not conventional Oscar bait, but I think it's contemporary Oscar bait in some ways. Mm, mm. It's easily digestible. He has seemed to have found a niche that he's really soft. He's really, you know, he's really he's good in. Yeah, he's good in, but he's really trying to, like, stay there. He is. And it's this cutesy pie kitchen sink tapestry. Yeah, because, I mean, he's got him. He's got him a crew now, too. You well, know, he does. Arrows. De Niro, Lawrence. Worked with him three times in a row. Lawrence has worked with him two, three times in a row. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, she she said that she'd do anything for him. Uh, Yeah, they've done. She loves working with him so much. They've probably done three in a row. And I'll say this about the film. It looks great. Um, The first third of it is bizarre. It almost feels like him riffing on Almodovar. 
mm-hmm. or like uh, kind of a class. I gotta say, after I, I, I've lost interest in David Russell films. Oh, me so, too. Me, this so, was a wife choice. This was wifey's yeah, yeah. choice. I didn't. Yeah, I, I didn't even watch the trailer. I could have cared less, but yeah. I thought, well, it'll be a, a, a chance for us to for me to see one that if it turns out great, great. But if it doesn't, I'm sure I'm not going to hate it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. No, it's a perfect date film. I feel like, and not to disparage the film. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'll say this. Lawrence is great in it. Lawrence reminds me in this film of uh, like 30 years ago. This would have been no. 40 years ago, so the, this would have been Jane Fonda. Mm. And that's high praise. I mean, I think she's a good young actress, man. She's really good in the film. De Niro's fine. Cooper, you know, he's found his, you know, he's found his, he stretched his legs. Virginia Madsen's in it. Isabella Rossellini's in it. Um, that's a good cast. Yeah, Diane Ladd. I don't know if I said her. I think Diane Ladd plays her, oh no, Diane Ladd plays, wait a second here, I'm getting confused. Diane Ladd plays her grandmother in it, is it? I thought she played her mother in it. I guess she plays her grandmother. She's fine. Um, but the woman that plays her mother in it, they make her cartoonishly useless, which is mm. kind of a bit grating. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It looks great, like I said. Get some good performances. Some stuff i got to call bullshit on. But... Um, all in all, you know, good date film. So that's that. Nice. Yeah, list. yeah lots of. Been a lot of uh, plenty busy there. But this is two weeks. Keep in mind, or is it three weeks? Uh, it, it's two weeks at least. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So there you have it. I'm gonna be getting into some deep cuts uh, here pretty soon, hopefully. So we'll see. But we're gonna take a short break. We're gonna come back. And uh, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, I don't, uh, I don't uh, have a preference. Uh, didn't they, are they, let's go chronological. Which one came out first? They came out the same year? Uh, close. 73 and 74. Let's do Tenderness of the Wolves. Tenderness of Wool of the Wolves first, which okay, is 73. Yeah, we'll okay. We will be right back. This is Red Brown. You're listening to Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. Bring me to Jakarta!
Okay, gang, welcome back to our first review of the show. Uh, that is, of course, as we'd said before the break, Uli Lamo's Tenderness of the Wolves from 1973. Again, this is an episode brought to you, brought to us by Arrow Video, who are kind enough to sponsor us for the show. Um, full disclosure, I, of course, had never seen, well, I'd never seen either of the films that we covered uh, on the show this week. Yeah, I'd seen one. I'd never seen this one. I've got to be honest with you. I don't even know if I ever heard of this one. I don't know that I ever heard of it either. The title sounds vaguely, vaguely, vaguely familiar, but I couldn't have told you what it was. No. So when they'd sent this to us and I looked into it, it was kind of serendipitous in some ways because we've covered M on the show. Yeah. Which is kind of based on some of the same events. I covered the Vampire of Dusseldorf uh, during the Midnight the Midnight Ride. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot you did do that. Bob Hussein's uh, riff on this. And we've also covered Angst, which is also cobbled together from some of this guy's stuff and some other notorious kind of killers of the time. So very interesting that it kind of uh, worked out that way. Um, also, not, do you want to lead on this one? Do you want to synopsize of what's good for you? Um... Well, the stop size ain't going to happen because I don't have anything in front of me. But uh, I'll go ahead and let you you stop size and lead. Cool. I'll, I'll, I'll fill in. Okay. So a story of a gay serial killer who murders young boys so he can serve them as dinner to his circle of fellow cannibals. I don't know if I'd describe it that way. That doesn't sound very poetic, does it? No, I mean, I think that's a base kind of baseline way to describe it. But I don't really ever feel like, one, those folks are like totally aware i do think they're aware but yeah i did i did think they were aware. i think it's commentary on how complicit they were um and society german society but Hmm. we're getting ahead of ourselves i don't think there was an active um thing to say hey let's get together he's gonna kill them we're gonna eat them Mm -hmm, i don't think mm -hmm. it was sort of this orchestrated thing in that regard right right i just think it fell into their laps but yeah, so this uh, this is based on um, a real life, unfortunately. Uh, the original um, – this happened around World War One, I, I believe. Now, uh, Fassbender – I didn't realize this until I flipped over the cover art, to the original cover art, uh, because I hadn't watched the disc at this point. Uh, Fassbender, who has a, uh, a supporting role in the film uh, – Rainer Werner Fassbender, of course, um, produced this film. Yes, and uh, Lamel was part of his group. Yeah, part of his kind crew. Of his working, yeah, his working kind of group. He he, he had been in a few of his films uh, before uh, he started directing, and I guess this kind of fell into his lap or something. And uh, Fassbender wanted to do it, but he didn't want to direct it, so he kind of gave it to Lamel. And then, and, and if you see anything else by Lee Lamel. You'll never. I mean, it'll it'll never look like this. This is this is essentially, I guess maybe because Fassbender was there and work, and a lot of a lot of the same actors that work with Fassbender so much were there. I mean, even uh, Ali shows up as a kind of a busboy. Yeah, as uh, a, like a train station kind of uh, baggage yeah. handler. Very bizarre, and yeah, he his career has taken a very strange turn, Lamel's, because. I remember. I mean, he eventually started making. He made a ton of those, like uh, serial killer straight to video movies. Yeah, he did. He absolutely did. But in the eighties, he was making. Um, he made one I watched. Just got one of the greatest posters ever for a film called Overkill. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Which is a <laughs> lot of fun. It's 87. It is so 87 and so yeah. GGTMC. I remember screen capping the shit out of this film when it came out, yeah. when I watched it. Yeah. But yeah, it's that, weird uh, that he went from this sort of work to that. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think I said when I posted that this is the most Fassbender film ever made by somebody other than Fassbender. I mean, because it, it literally feels like a Fassbender movie. And I think, but I, I they've said that Fassbender was very hands-off. Um, mm-hmm. I think there was uh, some griping from Fassbender about the DOP, but then when Lomel showed him the work, he backed off. He said, okay, no, this guy's talented. Um, I think he only had a, Fassbender only had a few requirements, but to his credit, which doesn't, which doesn't, and I'm not a Fassbender expert, but it seems like he would be very hands-on, but to his credit, it looks like he, uh, he stayed out of Lomel's hair. Yeah, most pretty part. much, yeah. But yeah. you could still feel the influence, like you were saying, of of Fassbender and and his his kind of uh, cult. Um, his, yeah, uh, definitely his 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 troop of actors, his, his troop his of filmmaking. Actors. Yeah, you you feel all of that. Yeah, you really do. Like, I mean, if you were going to do a retrospective on his career, like this would fit in fine, even though he didn't direct it. This would fit in fine with a Fassbender like retrospective. Yeah, yeah, it definitely would. Because it feels like a Fassbender uh, kind of a horror film. Yeah, it does. And I will say this. I think the title's tremendous. Yeah. Tenderness of the Wolves. And the lead actor, he wrote, we should say this, he wrote the film. He did write the film. Kurt Robb. And he, he worked with, uh, yeah, he Kurt, he worked with Fassbender quite a bit, too. He was a gay actor. Yeah. Openly Before gay. passed away, passed away from AIDS he years later. patients from AIDS, yeah. Um, now, fascinating. I'd like to see him. In, I know he worked with, uh, let me say with Lamel, worked with... Um, uh, Fassbender quite a bit. In fact, they were lovers. Oh, really? They were lovers before Fassbender ended up with uh, Ali from Ali Fear Eats the Soul, which uh, El Hadi Ben Salem. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just kind of this. I didn't know that. Yeah, they were lovers for a number of years. I thought you, uh, Fassbender was bi, right? Wasn't I he? I don't know. Uh, he seemed like the kind. Of, he seemed like a kind of guy that would just. You know, whatever tickled his fancy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's in this in the film. He he plays a pimp, a very a very much a heterosexual pimp. Uh, yes, yes, he does. Who even says very tongue in cheek when you know the behind the scenes. Uh, I only like women. Yeah, he is the most cabbage patch kid looking person I think I've ever seen <laughs> in real life. Uh, Felipe, <laughs> Him and Robert Ginty. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say Felipe <laughs> would argue that Robert Ginty is the most cabbage patch. Yeah. Put those two in a cabbage patch kid uh, buddy cop film. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> It'd be amazing. Um, He's just got this, you know, cherubic face. It's very strange. He does with kind of a, a dirty mustache. <laughs> yeah, that is a that is a Weasley mustache. It man. is very much. He could be like one of the uh, one of the weasels in Roger Rabbit with that mustache. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, hey, boss, here. Yeah. He totally could. Um, Rob had said that his intent, in attend, his intent was to make an aggressively, almost kind of confrontational, gay, explicitly gay film for the masses. I think, honestly, I think they succeeded. I think they did, but I also think that what they've done here is... because This I, thing is surprisingly aggressive. There, yeah, there's a lot of car, there's a lot of fucking, a lot of bush, yeah, in the yeah. words of my yeah. co-host. Yes, there's a lot of that going on, and not from the female variety either. So. No, there's there's definitely there's the dick to to ninety <laughs> ratio in this 
is very um, lopsided, yes. no pun intended. <laughs> yeah, that one gentleman, in fact, is very lopsided. <laughs> yeah, that's right, man, Dur, Dur Scimitar. <laughs> in, in his defense, he is playing a dead character at that point. So, <laughs> yeah. so I guess it's not supposed to be, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not supposed to be sort of a... But this deals with, you know, awful, I mean, this film deals with awful, awful stuff. It's not just about you know, homosexual, uh, murders. Uh, I mean, it, it, there's, there's, these are underage, uh, kind of vagrant kids. Yeah. Uh, this is a, you know, this is an actor. I mean, this is a moment, a story where, you know, they're portraying on the innocence of the young, obviously the tenderness of wolves is a great title. Like you said, because of that, it, you know, he's luring them in and doing these awful things to them. Um, which in, includes this, awful bite to the neck thing which which, is just it's just it's horrible it is horrible this was a difficult watch for me and i mean that in the best possible sense yeah that's why another way it reminded me some fastbender movies in that you know it's very raw it is very raw and rolls around the muck um i have to wonder because i think at the time i think homosexuality was illegal i think in Germany, maybe not, but I'd, I'd read something that you know there, it clearly wasn't the society we have today. And it may have been. This couldn't. This didn't play in the states. No, I could see it not play. It wasn't probably didn't play big through the Bible Belt. No, <laughs> I don't think it ever made. I don't think it ever got released in the states. I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I don't think it didn't until much, many years later. Yeah, I, I uh, this would have been too too. This would have been this. I mean, this is like an aggressive Andy Warhol movie. I mean, it's that's one of the, the vibes I got as well. Yeah, and I just don't think you know American as much as we had the grindhouses going on and stuff. I just don't think they could have handled this type. I mean, because it's it, it, it's ugly. Uh, it's beautifully shot, but it's it deals with ugly material and ugly people. Ugly dark material. Yeah, and similar to the way you know. Again, I wasn't on the Yank show, but. Similar in the way that that film deals with ugliness in such a way that it's it's repulsive. I mean, just from almost from the get go, this repulsive kind of evil mm-hmm. permeates uh, most of the film. It's yeah, it, it's um, and Rob's so creepy. Oh, he is so creepy and so gross and so yeah. From the get go, I mean, the ugh. first time you see him, you're like, ugh. Yeah, he's really, he really, and he shaved his hair and he committed to the role. And it was one of those things where you, and I don't know if I'm reading too much into this, but I wonder if he made this film as kind of a thumb in the eye or spit in the face to quote unquote polite German society for a lot of the campfire tales that were told about gays. I think maybe. I think, you know, definitely there's, you know, a lot more than I have in my notes to get into here when it comes to the time in Germany. And I can only relate to the I mean, I was born in 73, but I can I can only relate to how this film would have been received in retrospect. And and so I wouldn't be able to tell. But it seems to me that this was a very much a, you know, a middle finger type of like, you know, punk rock. Absolutely. uh, Look at very much, you know, homosexuality. And kind of the, it gets kind of commentary on the, you know, the normal folk. And it, it, it's, it's a bizarre movie, but in a weird way, as, as transgressive as it is in some ways, it's also, it has a heart. I don't know if that's explainable in a way. No, no, I, I think so. Because, you know, Rob's character, 
there's actually a moment in the film toward the end where, and this is going to sound bizarre to say this, where I almost feel sorry for his character. Mm-hmm. And it's his performance that does that. It's like he, he can't help himself and, you know, he's caught. Oh, uh, and, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, in between these moments. And I'm not going to give anything away, but I'm, and I'm just saying that, you know, he's kind of, he, he lives in these two worlds, right? The world of a proper society where he's working with the police. Which he's able to, and we should say it, it very much outright doesn't imply, it says that the mm-hmm. police overlook, they know what he's doing. Yes, they know what he's doing. Absolutely. But they're willing to overlook it in the interest of um, further gain on their part. Yeah. Which is cleansing the streets, cleansing the streets. And what they're willing to overlook is, you know, and for my money, I mean, the most vile. I mean, he, you know, he's preying on underage boys. I mean, it just the fact they're willing to overlook that. I mean, it's just it's just very heavy stuff. Yeah, it's unbearable and awful. Um, Sadly, it's, you know, it probably happened at the time, maybe, you know, way back during the the original story of this uh, vampire of Dusseldorf type deal, but ugh. it's just, you know, it's real, just, it's just real grim, you know, just, <laughs> it's just nasty stuff. I mean, but I, I felt sorry for his character in some of the ways that I felt sorry for the lead character in angst in some ways. I yeah. mean, this is a sick person mm-hmm. who is broken and you're not going to fix this person. Yeah. Well, we see in angst that it gives a backstory of a guy who was abused in a major way, Yeah. in a major way. You know, so we get that. We don't get the backstory for this guy, um, but you know, we can only piece together. I mean, it's you can you can kind of get bits and pieces, I guess, from his performance and yeah, from some of the other things and stuff. But he's definitely a a predator, to say the least. Yeah, and it's it, this is the kind of performance that you see sometimes in film where someone, I think he tried to get this made a few times and couldn't get it made, but it comes from very personal. I think even in the disc they say, and we should say this is a loaded disc. It's region A, region B. It's loaded to the gills um, mm-hmm. with a mm-hmm. lot of really wonderful. There's a, a commentary track with Lamel. Um, there's uh, uh, interview. The interview I watched was um, Harmon's victim talks. It was the interview with the actor uh, Rainier Will, who played the kind of. The, he looked almost like Joe D'Alessandro, the young kid on the piano. Yeah, that was the uh, that was might have been the lopsided gentleman I was talking about. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Um, yeah. Stephen Thrower, author of Nightmare USA. Uh, yeah, he's been on a couple of these arrow discs now, mm-hmm. but uh, he's mm-hmm. great because he's one thing you can say about Stephen Thrower. He wrote, uh, like I said, Nightmare USA, but he he's always very interested in kind of the 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 exploitation filmmakers on the periphery of exploitation. So there's probably no better uh, source when it comes to the people that were working. You know, when it, you talk about Uli Lamel, you're talking about an, eventually he became American exploitation filmmaker. I mean, he's Arguably not even B-grade films. We're talking like C-grade at that point. Oh, D-grade. I mean, yeah, really mucky, gross, you know. Yeah, uh, there's a there's an interview with the director of photography, Jürgen Jurgis. Uh, a great name. And you're great. I thought the same thing. I mean, it's... Like burger, burger, Meister, Meister, Burger, Meister, Meister, Burger. Um, <laughs> he doesn't approve. But uh, th- this really, I mean, this is really something, this disc. Mm-hmm. Really, And I'm glad that this film... Because this is, I think this is kind of that weird kind of film where I think it's a little too um, dirty, mucky for Criterion to pick up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still an art film and, and an important film, I think, that is worth 
people's time. And I'm glad that Arrow gives it the love that it deserves. Yes. I mean, they really knock it. This is a fucking exceptional release. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exceptional release. I also uh, wonder, do you think Kurt Rob maybe in the, like in the film, you think he's like wearing like pancake makeup or something? Because he's so much like whiter than everybody else. It's very bizarre. I have to wonder that to add to the effect of sort of a vampire, right? Mm-hmm. Or a creature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is. Um, it's it, yeah. Again, it just uh, every moment he's shot in film, you just it just gets under your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, you know, great use of shadows in this, and I think too they look at sort of the paranoia of a country and the moral bankruptcy of a country from the perspective of those that made the film. Yeah, right. Which is kind of heavy stuff. I don't know what it is about sort of seventies to eighties German film. You know, whether it's Der Fan, which was made maybe 10 years later. There's just an angst from Austria nearby, but there's just this stark kind of feeling that their films are able to give that I, I don't really get from any other country in any other time. Well, I agree with you. I can't think of any other country that, uh, I mean, that uh, Bavarian... I guess you could say because you could lump Austria into that. Yeah, sure, yeah. It's a uh, it's a special time, really. It, some of the most uh, powerful stuff I've seen from the seventies and eighties comes from that era, and and from you know your your Herzogs, your Fassbenders, your uh, Vendors. Who uh, he he tends he till he tends to deal with a bit more whimsical type. He stuff. does more poetic and kind of beautiful, yeah. but even Herzog stuff can be. I mean, I, I think there's an optimist inside Herzog, but there's some kind of cruel stuff in his films, some stark stuff that I think it's that generation that was born just before the war, during the war. Uh, yeah. There has to be Either some correlation. Were, yeah, in, in right around it. there. I can't, I can't remember. But yeah, I guess they would have been born right during the war. Yeah, because if, they, you know, figure this is 73, so they were, say they were born in 40, they're 33 years old, or they're just mm-hmm. after the war, which they're still... There's that ripple effect of the economy and, and the country, the infrastructure and everything. Right. You know, um, it's just, yeah, heavy, really stark stuff. Um, but, yeah, the camera work in this is fantastic, really fantastic uh, camera work. You know, one of the, the shots that it keeps going to um, that I really like is that kind of stark shot of the black crucifix on the concrete wall. Oh, yeah. In his apartment. Really good stuff. Um cinematography, a lot of interesting faces in the film. Everyone's cast wonderfully. I have to say, I thought the two female leads were, were beautiful in kind of an unconventional way. Yeah, yeah, I liked them too. They were really, I think it was uh, Margit Karstensen uh, and Ingrid Kavan, mm-hmm. maybe, or Brigitte Mara. Um, these are all actresses that worked uh, with, and again, they were in sort of that Fassbender troupe, right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and Jurgen evidently Jurgen Prochnow is in the film, but you barely could see him. He's in there though. Oh wow! Don't remember if I remembered that. Yeah, uh, you won't. You, you don't see him full on. You just see his kind of a uh, a profile. Right. He's one right. of the characters, kind of like stamping papers or something. You see your papers. Show me your papers. There's, I think there's a moment of papers moment in this where they think. They <laughs> yeah, see. that that's him that's dealing with the papers. Oh yes, yes, okay. Um, I think you know I know now because I, I looked into it after the fact. You see it on one of the special features, but. There's a moment when Rob's character approaches uh, a little girl. He picks up her ball, I think it is, and gives it to her. Oh, yeah. 
total, total nod to M, and they confirm in the disc that it was very much a nod to M. And yeah, even yeah. some of the sound design, right, with like the footsteps and stuff, is very. Yeah. Cool. They talked about how they, they, you know, they knew they were kind of riffing on M a little bit, and mm-hmm. they, 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 but they, that whole scene kind of came up by accident. They didn't like really plan it. They were just kind of around, and they just kind of thought, you know, let's let's do a little homage to M. Oh yeah, know, because it's such an important film in film history, but also an important film in German film history. So that's right. No, it totally is. Um, yeah, I think the cannibalism. I think there's very much a con- condem- condemnation of of German society in some ways, or culpability collectively. Um, I think uh, you know what's a bad move is is delivering meat of any kind uh, via hand delivery or by snail mail. <laughs> so that's a that's an yeah, pro tip, man. Now you got to know that. With it, with just a towel over it. Yeah, you don't want to deliver that liverwurst uh, with a towel over it, man. It's unbelievable. And it didn't seem to bother them any. No, I don't. Ooh, I wouldn't get down with that meat, man. Room temperature meat. Yeah, they were into it. I don't know, man. Um, yeah. So anyway, great performances. I think good to great performances across the board. Rob obviously anchors the film. Um, a lot of the train stuff rolling in really evoked, I think, noir kind of feel with the steam coming off the trains and the fog. And I think when they shot it, too, I don't know if it was just a happy accident, but a lot of gray skies. Um, it all in the Antonioni thing of the sort of the atmosphere of where you are being able to uh, color your worldview. You know, I think it does really well. Um and I think Rob, too, as much as we talked about his performance, a lot of times it's what he doesn't say or do. It's it's internal acting. Yeah. How we can see the wheels turning in his head of how he can. And it's well edited, too. The way, like the way those those exchanges are edited. This film could be even much more exploitative. And it's not. I mean, it's. There's a lot of. It, it, uh, it's, it's a weird it's a weird movie. It, it, it's not a. Well, it's a lot like a lot of Fassbender's work. He deals with very human things, but he deals with some of the, the horrible things that humans do mm-hmm. emotionally and physically. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it, this one maybe deals with maybe some more of the violence than you usually see. I think in a Fassbender film, but sure. Yeah. You know, the biting of the neck and some of those things, pretty awful stuff, pretty awful but, thing. especially cause you consider the vulnerability of these young boys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the, the, the way it's kind of handled, it's still, it feels very much like a fast-bender film, and, and I agree with you. You know, it feels like something that, like, the Criterion would be like, uh, little maybe. too, yeah, maybe, but maybe not. You know? Yeah, so thankfully there's, there's people Arrow. like Arrow to put it out. Yep. Yeah, um, I mean, I could kind of go on and on. I really did dig this film quite a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's well shot, but and not over stylized. Like, I think they could have went, you know, crazy with it. They could have gotten. Nuts! I, I think when I started watching it, the silhouette on the wall, I thought, okay, this is going to be that kind of movie. It's they don't over stylize it. Yeah, no. it's going to be over stylize it and stuff, but they don't. They, it's very much, you know, kitchen sink drama in some ways, and then they put a little bit just enough style in there to make it nice. Mm-hmm. I think it's underseen. I, I hope people will check it out. I mean, this is, you know, worth a purchase because I think you could. I I could see myself re- as grim as it is, like angst. I could see myself rewatching it. I, I agree. I think you know, every you know five or six years to kind of remind myself that Lily Lamel started out with a you know as a bright spot. Oh man, this this is a I, I would go so far as to say like a mini kind of minor 
masterpiece in some ways. Not a perfect film, but I think considering the budget, um, the title was shot in the ch- on the cheap and quickly, um, really underseen, really mm-hmm. underseen. I mean, I, I, nobody ever, nobody's ever, even on the group and stuff, nobody's ever said anything to me about this. No. In all the years we've been doing this now, and uh, so this kind of came out of nowhere yeah. for me, which is, is a pleasant surprise. I would agree. And the thing of it is, it's not even just the film itself. The release is an exceptional release. Exceptional mm-hmm. release. So when you get those two together, you get this gem out of that falls into your lap, and it's so lovingly taken care of, and it looks great, that it's a win-win. Yes, indeed. Um, anything you want to add? No, that's really pretty much it. I don't really have anything else to add. I mean, I, I agree with you almost completely. I'd be curious what you scored. Cool. Uh, make or break scene. I think the first time he takes the boy to his room. Let me kind of see what's what's going down. It's so oh, man. Or even you know, even I think some of the scene, like the scene when he first, there's a boy sitting by himself on his suitcase. Oh yeah. That was a really awful scene because you have to think the, the 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 country was upside down. Yeah, he sets him up with the dropping of the cigarette. Yeah. Yeah, the country was torn upside down. Things could fall through the cracks. And this guy's taking advantage of that in the worst possible way. Yeah. I just can't imagine. It's just horrible, horrible stuff. But Well, I mean the same I mean, I know we haven't done this film, but the same thing happened with the uh the Citizen X film that was made uh, by HBO talking about the Russian guy that killed about fifty children oh, and young gosh. boys and girls and he did it the same way. I mean, you're talking about a country going through transition and you know, hanging out in these train stations and stuff like that, these transients, you know, kids that nobody seemed to care about, you know. Yeah, of easy, course. Easy pickings for a serial killer, right? That's right. That's right. No, it's scary really stuff, true. man. Scary. You know, you have children that becomes twice as scary. Yeah, big time, man. Big time. Uh, my MVT, I'm going to go with Rob himself. Nice. Because he wrote it. He had to embody the performance. If you've got a guy who doesn't quite deliver on that and doesn't make you feel squeamish and kind of make your stomach turn, it's going to go down a little bit. Some of the power is going to go. He's very, um, he's very gross. He kind of got a Peter Laurie feel, too. To he abs- well, I wonder again if, if that was intentional because the first thing I thought when I saw him was a bit of a Laurie feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, and my score is a 7.75 out of 10. Nice. Don't think it's a perfect film, but I really will rep hard for this film. I really was impressed with it. Nice, nice. Um, my MVT, I'm a bit of a, we'll go a bit of a cheat on this. One. I'm going to say Lamella and Rob because nice. of the, the fact that they work so closely together. Yeah. You can almost throw Fassbender in there as well. Yeah, or, or or the DOP or uh, yeah. the yeah, yeah, collective DOP kind well. of uh, troop. I've only ever seen one other Lamell film that I know of that, I enjoyed <laughs> that overkill is you would enjoy it. Yeah. It is so GGTMC. <laughs> well, 87 was the, 87. That's really heaven, man. Yeah. Uh, make or break. Uh, I like the scene where I like the climax a lot. That's all I'll say. Yes. I like the way it pays off and I like how that plays out where Rob's character just can't help himself. Yeah. Like he's not going to let this get away from him. Mm-hmm. regardless of what position he's in. And my score is the same as yours, man, 7.75, nice. just below an 8. That's how I feel about it. I don't feel like it's quite 8 material, but it's uh, it's right in there. Yeah. Yeah, For absolutely. Sure. Okay, really nice. good, though. I mean, I'd, I'd definitely recommend people pick it up. Yeah, I agree. I can't stand anyone thinking, oh, what a turd. 
It's it's a good film, man. It's really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So okay, cool. Uh, let's take a short break and come back and uh, get into some tales of the immoral variety. <laughs> we'll be right back. A one, a two, a one, two, Tom Waits here. If you want to hear a really professionally recorded podcast promo, then I'd suggest you go elsewhere. But if you want to listen to a podcast where there's a whole lot of interesting talk about favorite and great albums and what makes the songwriting so fantastic, then I'd suggest you listen to Love That Album, hosted by Mars. Now, if only he'd talk about one of my records. Love That Album podcast, as endorsed by one out of five Tom Waits impersonators. You can get the podcast from iTunes, searching for Love That Album, or you can get it from lovethatalbum.blogspot.com. Listen to this podcast, except no imitations. It's the music that we choose. 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 The world is getting super. I'm fine that I can choose to keep myself tethered to the days I try to lose. My mama said to slow down, you must make your own shoes. Stop dancing to the music. I've got red in a happy mood. Keep my mood on. Getting into 1974's Immoral Tales. Rated X, it should be said. Kind of a. Mm. An, between last. See, it's interesting. Our show this week is kind of an arty, sleazy episode. Mm-hmm. Next mm-hmm. week's just kind of greasy, sleazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Kind of, you know, uh, like. Yeah. Well, anyway, we'll get yeah. to that. But uh, so this is, I think, our third board check we've done on the show. Uh yeah, the, the yeah, third one. Yeah, we've done uh 
Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Osborne. We've done uh, the Labette, and we've done uh, this one, Moral Tales. And we should say Labette was expanded to feature length from... Uh, yes, the original the release of Moral Tales, yeah. Yeah. Now, in the interest of uh, a lack of redundancy, we, we have two options with this disc, which, again, I will just flat out say, contrary to what I may say about the film... This is an essential purchase uh, if you love Borachek or you feel like he's in your wheelhouse because it, it looks amazing. Um, again, just chock full of special features. The sound is amazing. Um, really high quality stuff. Really. High yeah, and if you don't want to sit, if, if you're one of those people who saw Labette and don't want to sit through the whole film again, you can just see the. Uh I guess the money shots from Labette, if you watch the other version of this, because that's that one chunk of Labette, the beast uh, uh, parts that we talked about <laughs> with Josh, uh, that, that's in here. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, and you get about 30, 40, about, gosh, you know, about an hour and a half of special features. Um, mm -hmm. Really good stuff, man. Really good stuff. You know, Borchek has a pretty insane collection of uh, erotic items or memorabilia. So kind of yeah 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 he uh, he was like really into that collecting that type of stuff which we see and I want to say this the cover for this film might be my favorite cover of the year oh nice the lips yeah I really like it. really evocative mm -hmm. really, really fantastic which is a shot from the first story so this is an erotic anthology of sorts it's um is there a, I don't know, I probably wouldn't need to oh, okay I'll just synopsize it here uh. Four erotic tales from in from it says from in from various historical eras. Uh, the first, the tide, is set in the present day and concerns a student and his young female cousin stranded on the beach, uh, secluded from prying eyes. Uh, Therese mm. Filosif is set in the 19th century and concerns a girl being locked in her bedroom where she contemplates the erotic potential of the objects contained within it. Uh, Elizabeth Bathory, of course, you can deduce, is a portrait of 16th century Countess Elizabeth Bathory. Who allegedly bathed in the blood of virgins? Well, Lucrezia Borgia concerns an incestuous 15th century orgy involving Lucrezia, her brother, and her father, the Pope. Yeah. So, uh, mm. do you want to lead on this? Do you want me to lead on this? Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to have you lead again. That's cool. I can lead. Um, first thing I found, again, I, I can't keep enough uh, superlatives on the disc. Uh, itself, um, in terms of what Arrow's done, uh, and I know we seem to say that a lot with them, but there's a reason we wanted to get in bed with them um, because they do such a fine job with uh, the releases. Um, yeah, yeah, we, we we had a taste of the European stuff they put out, oh, and then when yeah. they said they were going to come to the states, we were excited. So yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. Now, one of the things, not to jump around too much, but let me ask you this: which of the four stories was your favorite? Um, visually, it's, uh, Bathory. Yes, I would agree. Um, barring, uh, Labette, which, you know, you can watch this without that story or which, with. Which is what I did, yeah. Um, I probably like the first one the most. I'm with you 100%. Bathory mm -hmm. looks the best. It feels like a... The Kubricky in terms of the shot composition, the framing, or like Sallow or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, the great, the, the red curtains and everything. It's really great. But the first one has sort of a, 
kind of like a, a really kind of a lot of natural light and kind of saturated natural light, kind of late 60s French feel mm-hmm. um, that I really liked. Um, so, yeah, it's funny that, yeah, we were kind of right in lockstep. Um, I, I love. Uh, let me just take a look here. I think a lot of these actresses uh, in the film and actors, Paloma Picasso. Um, was she an adult? No, she wasn't an adult actress. Anyway, I don't know any of the people in the film uh, as far as uh, from their other work, I should say. French actors, you know, did some kind of obscure, more obscure stuff. Uh, he worked with a lot of the same people over and over again, so chances are it probably true. was a lot of the same folks. Now, interestingly, he did use a different DOP for each story, which I thought was a wonderful touch. Mm-hmm. A really wonderful touch. As much as, and I'd said to you, full disclosure, I sort of sent you a text saying, man, Borchek's not for me. Yeah. Um, I don't think he really is. Uh, his stuff leaves me a bit cold. I know some people consider him a master. I know Josh Rotato's a big fan. Joe Yannick's a big fan. Uh, Sammy's cutting his hair over there while we're reviewing yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> Man, you better watch you don't cut La Bette. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Man, that'd be bad. Oh, man. I'm going to puncture the coin purse, dear buddy. <laughs> oh. Um, but, uh. <laughs> That's funny. You say cutting. That was, it was actually nothing to do with scissors, but it's what it sounds like. It's, cra- it's oh, cracking me up. Man. Was it a hole punch? Uh, a staple remover. <laughs> ah, close. I was in the, it was in that kind of, uh, you know, office supply wheelhouse. Yeah, right. yeah you're right in the wheelhouse there. Yeah. Um, don't use a staple remover on the coin purse either, man. Those things are sharp. Ooh, Ooh yeah. Don't use that on anything in the Other in the Labette territory. Uh, no, yeah, absolutely not. Keep the um, staple removers away from Labette. <laughs> oh man, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um. The first story I like uh, because it has a sort of breezy late 60s kind of French feel in some ways, which I think is very intentional by mm-hmm. Borchek. Um, I love kind it of feels with some like taboo type subjects, taboo and, kind of French countryside, bicycle rides, maybe the rockiest beach in the history of cinema. Let me tell you something about rocky beaches. <laughs> rocky I thought beach. I thought Stranger by the Lake had a rocky beach. This one's got that beat, man. My note is Rocky Beaches are, and I've underlined it, the worst. Oh, I yeah. I don't know if I have sensitive feet or not, man. I, I, I can't tell you how much joy it takes out of my day if we go to a beach and it's rocky. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, this, this, this isn't even, this isn't even registered Rocky Beach. This is not even a beach. It's, it's, it's just a rock. rock quarry with water around it, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's terrible. So. You know, the fact that they travel so far to, you know, be remote uh, for this moment of pleasure and is the seems so dis, you know, it seems like it's just embedded in discomfort. Yeah. Maybe I mean, my feet were hurting watching the film. Oh, so were mine. And then maybe there's some intellectual uh, metaphor there with uh, the pain and the play. I don't know. But maybe, maybe. I think it has more to do with the tides, though. I think that. Yeah, the, the tides the, were really going. Quote unquote, coming and going. Yeah, and there's a great bike pump sort of visual <laughs> yeah. gag early on. Um, oh, that great uh, Tinto brass type shot. Uh, yeah, totally. Him, this him feels very brass to me in some ways, yeah. doesn't it? Him looking, yeah, him looking at her while she's riding the bike, you know, him eyeballing. Yeah, this very much feels brass to me. Um, 
yeah, the the countryside, kind of a lot of warm, natural light. Uh, and just the beach with this young couple and kind of the waves of passion. Um, I got to say, too, the dude in this, I mean, I don't know if he, he clearly didn't bring his A game if he's wearing rubber boots to, for romance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to step Well, up. maybe he was, though, man. Maybe he knew that beach was like a rocky, you know. And... Yeah. And she comes wearing like uh, like a lint and see-through. Yeah, hardly anything. She's good to go. Yeah, you know it's. Uh, She's so easily manipulated. It's like it's like such a, a teen boy fantasy. I would say quite the opposite. You think so? Yeah, I think she was the one wielding the power, and she allowed. Well, I, you know what? I can see that. I can see that if I think about it. Yeah. I think that she, much as in most cases with simple beasts such as us, la bets. the girl <laughs> lets us think. Yeah. We're in control. They're really yeah. getting what they want. Yeah. She knows those tides now. Man, she does. My, how the tides have turned. Yeah, indeed, man. Indeed. Um, the sound is great in this, especially in, I felt like in this story, because there's a lot of stuff that could interfere, but doesn't ever feel intrusive. It's clean. Um, I really love the shots of her looking at the camera. Yeah, those are really good. The close-ups are all really great. They're fantastic, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got to say, they're cousins. That's the whole thing here. Yeah. This is the most elaborate. It's not Elvis Presley's kissing cousins. Kissing, no. It's so, so, so slightly ain't, different. This ain't uh, <laughs> Elvis's kissing cousins. Uh, <laughs> this is the with, most. With uh, that blonde Elvis. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so ridiculous. Um, that's almost as ridiculous as uh, – <laughs> that jewel encrusted turban wearing Elvis and harem scarum. Oh man, that one's bad. <laughs> that one's a classic. Oh, That's so bad. On, man. Come on, harem scarum. <laughs> yeah, we gotta get some Elvis films on the show, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, they, you know, obviously, there's there's a lot. I mean, we could have some fun talking about. Them, I'm sure. Yeah, they're ridiculous. Yeah, some of them are so ridiculous. <laughs> As Zom's favorite clam baked air by. I'd like to do Kid Galahad would be fun to do. Galahad Charles Bronson's, Bronson's in it, in it and it's yeah. I believe it's adapted from uh, one of my favorite uh, books, A Stone for Danny Fisher. Yeah, and it's a boxing film, you know, and it's it's it, it's a good one, you know. Yeah. Probably an overlooked uh, Elvis movie, actually. Yeah, absolutely. And, and King, um, King Creole would be good to do too. It would be absolutely. I'm a big fan of Roustabout. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I love. Actually, for me, sometimes the more Elvisy they are, the more I like them. Yeah, for sure, man. Like I like sure. uh, Spin Out a lot. And some, I don't know if I've ever seen Spin Out. Some of the sillier ones. I like uh, Follow That Dream a lot. That's the one where they kind of get stranded on this like Florida highway and they kind of take on the mob. Oh, I've never <laughs> seen that. Yeah, it's that pretty wacky. <laughs> it is. It is pretty amazing. We should do that one. Yes. Yeah. Is that wait? Is that the one? Does he do double duty in that one where he plays kind of a tough and all leather with like shoe polish? I guess there is even blacker. No, I don't think oh. not. Not in that one. No, 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 no. Which one that is? But um. Good old Elvis. Um, I've been eating a lot of peanut butter and banana sandwiches lately. I should say that <laughs> as an aside. So is yeah. my son. Um, my oldest son, that is. My youngest is just, he won't jump ship on the jam for the banana. He wants to stay with the peanut butter and jam. Nice. Because nice. we can eat those at school, right? You can't bring peanut butter to school, man. That's that's a that's a yeah. flaw, man, of the highest degree. Um, yeah, I love the shots of her looking at the camera and the mouth with the finger, which is on the cover. Very, very sensual. Um, the tide's raging, but I was going to say this has the most elaborate and orchestrated blowjob in the history of cinema. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. You know, the thing, the thing about 
that act in cinema. And the reason why I'm speaking this way is because I have company in the area I'm in. Yes. It's one of the reasons why I've been asking you to lead and everything. That act. <laughs> that act. That act. Yeah. And, uh, and cinema is <laughs> – it's never really done well unless no. – I mean convincingly unless it's done in adult material. That's right. Because we know right. how it's done, right? So it always you're always looking for the the you know, the goofiness of it or somehow, some way. At least I am. Oh yeah. And this one does it it's awful elaborate and uh shot in a very strange way. I don't think that's the way I would have done it, uh, if it was me, but <laughs> I mean oh. I would not if I was performing the act, if I was getting the act performed. No, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> Stay off the rocks. Yeah, man. Rocky. Like, this is bad, man. Sand is bad enough in your ass crack. You yeah. want jagged rocks up in that, man? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you got rubber boots, but you can't bring a blanket? Like, what's up with that? Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's unacceptable, man. Yeah, it's not Anything well, less? It, it's thought out. It's like he thought, he thought it out, but he didn't really think it out. You know, I think he thought maybe he could pull it off. Yeah. Well, I don't think he thought that, you know, she would actually go through with it. Yeah, exactly. But I, I really think this is sort of commentary on foolish bravado of boys mm-hmm. and men. Um, I love to, as he gets closer to uh, Oil of Olay twice a day, that uh, the cuts get quicker. Yeah. With, you know, with the waves to them, to waves, you know, good stuff. And interesting little fact about this, um, again, a great natural shots, but Isabella Johnny was originally tabbed to play the girl in this. Ah, I could see that. Yeah. Because this, this, the girl that's in it, she does have an Ajani quality. Yeah, she does. And I have to say that I feel like... Um, Borchek's definitely got a type. I was about to say, Borchek has a type, and Borchek very much loves the shot of a woman with a hairy asshole lying on her side <laughs> with her legs uh, closed. Yes. That, that's his shot. That's his it's, shot when he's looking for, you know... So Jesus. French. He's looking to right-click and save as... <laughs> Man, he loves. Yeah, he he's loves. looking to when he's looking to load that database. <laughs> yeah. he's, when he's, uh, when he's looking to fill up <laughs> that one terabyte portable hard drive. <laughs> yeah, that's the well he goes. To. <laughs> yeah. So you know, oh man, teach their own. Um, it's true. It's true. But of course, you know, we're also talking about a different era. We not are. a lot of you know, you know, not a lot of. I mean, not even just the era in the film itself, but even the era of the seventies itself. And Europe know, people, and everything else. But yeah, in Europe, you know, you know. I don't have a problem with natural. I mean, that's, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, some some are you know like some this. are more into that than others. You know, yeah, I'm not into smooth. That's not my bag. But you know, I'm into yeah, I'm into smooth. But I'm I'm certainly not into the uh, <laughs> bet back in there. You know where you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, again, I know a couple of our friends in the tub are. Down with that. Yeah. I won't name him, but they, uh, <laughs> I would say he's the Dr. Doolittle of the group. He knows who yeah. he is. Yeah, he knows, he knows who he is. Yeah, but you know, I don't have a problem with hair. But anyway, um, that's all I got to say about the first story. Yeah, I don't really have much more to add about the first story. I think I think it's well shot. I, I think it's the most, probably, it's the one that works the best. I think so. I think on so. the level it's, it's trying to go for. Yeah. Um. And, you know, kind of got to me a little bit. And that's what I think, you know, Borchek's going for. I think mm-hmm. he's going, you know, trying to, you know, to get you to look at this type of stuff. But, yeah, like, he definitely has a type. I mean, every – the most of the females in this film are essentially the the same. Although I think the Bathory character is a little different, a little bit more voluptuous. She's fucking gorgeous. Yeah, she is. She, you know, 
we'll get to that. Yeah, we will. Now, the second story, I think, is probably my third favorite of the four. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm guessing the last one is your least favorite. Oh, I, I hated the last one. Yeah, the last one's pretty rough. I really hated the last one. And obviously, it's dealing with you know commentaries on hypocrisy and things like that. Big so. time. And I dug that, but I think at this point, I'd started to find the film becoming a little bit tedious. Yeah. So I was like, hey, enough. So, and mm-hmm. I don't want. I wonder. I'd be curious to see how this would play out if I had to watch it in a different order. But you know, that was just my uh, my take on it. Well, I do think the last piece it closes it on a whimper. It, yeah, it, it's, because it, it I think it should it should close on the battery stuff. Yeah, the battery stuff would be a great finish, especially it, it. If you're going for the John Holmes, then you did end it the right way on a whimper mm-hmm. and a dribble, mm-hmm. as they say. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, a leak, know, a know. leak, yeah, <laughs> a sputter, not a, a splat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, you could have ended it with a Peter North esque yeah. uh, bathroom. But... Essentially, you're ending it with a Holmes and not a North. There you precisely, go. precisely. <laughs> um, I think this one's good too because I think Borchek was a filmmaker that was was looking to challenge and confront and lampoon the absurdity of institution and society, and yes. also the hypocrisy of those in power, whether it mm-hmm. was politicians, those in any positions of power, the hierarchy and structure of the church, mm-hmm. which. We see God and faith and sex and the contradiction of those and guilt and conscience. All of these yeah, things his swirling whole, together. Yeah, his whole thing was that. I mean, he obviously, you know, when you talk about eroticism like that, you're talking about the base nature of humanity. Mm-hmm. And we we always not when I say we, I don't mean just me and you. I mean, I, I'm talking about society in general. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's always this kind of Puritan societal level of. Oh, yeah. You know, let's not. That's not. That's to be discussed behind closed doors, or that's not to be talked about. And oh, you know, you know, hush your mouth and stuff. You know, it's it's it's. it's I think he was always looking to break down those walls, and sometimes he did it successfully, and sometimes not so successfully. But he was always trying to make, I think, comments on those type of things. That you know, this is you know, this is the base part of life. This is one of the few kind of like base instincts we have as human beings, and yeah. we, we it's the one we try to shut down the most. But it's the one that seems to be most prevalent, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's a weird one because we try to shut it down, but it actually gives us so much. Oh yeah, in it's, life. Yeah. But some of the other base natures we have, such as the animal instinct to kill, you know, obviously we, we shut that down to keep a proper form. You know, well at least you know the majority of us do, and we <laughs> we can somehow justify that sometimes, but we can't justify the other one it's it's very bizarre to me and i think he was always kind of looking at the hypocrisy of that i agree and i i like that i sent you a picture of paloma picasso that is so sammy <laughs> oh nice nice i sent it through skype paloma um no I, I agree and i think i think you know i always find that as i talk about him more and more i, I think you like his themes more than you like his execution execution yes that's would, what that's what I've we've done three of his films now, and that's what I've gotten. Yes, no, I would agree with that. I think it's a fair statement, and I think I, that's fine. I think that's I think that's okay. I think I'm the same way with um, trying to think. I can't think off the top of my head of who I'm that way with. Well, I'm that way with Argento sometimes. I, I like what he does. I just don't always like how he executes it. Yeah, you like the idea of what he's going mm-hmm. for, but it just doesn't. He doesn't stick the landing for you. I think for me too. I just feel like. Um, I think that Borchek, I admire him as an artist, 
like I said, too, I don't feel like for me, he's not a master, but again, it's art and art moves people in different ways. But I just feel like, let me see something else. Let me see something else other than sort of sexual politics and hypocrisy and this um, insistence on shocking polite society in some ways or or just celebrating sort of uh, perversity. And I don't have a problem with that. I'm not saying that from a Puritan standpoint, but yeah. let me see you do something. Again, let's get, to get back to Louis Mal for a minute. Mm-hmm. I did a number of things, a number of times. I shot some fantastic documentaries. I got a real insight into Americana, but then he also made Zazie and just and everything in between. You know, uh, I think you know. Um, there's still a few board tricks to do. I think we'll still, yeah. we'll still. If, if Arrow has their way, I think we'll still be able to do a few more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, for sure. Um, but the second one is kind of it's humorous, and I think the second one kind of falls in line the most with Labette to me in some ways in terms of its color. This one and the fourth one, but. Um, you know the girl. Yeah, yeah I, they kind of look. Yeah, you're right. You know, I didn't think about that, but they do look the most like Labette. Yeah, they really do. I do like the second one quite a bit. I like that she's, I do. you I like know, it. finding you know eroticism in objects. I like that she's, you know, this, it's like a personal discovery of sexuality. It's 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 well handled. It is. Uh, no pun intended. Even uh, if yeah, yeah, no pun intended. But the you know the only thing bad about it is the grandma's a little cartoonish. The grandma is a little bit cartoonish. Absolutely. You know, little Yosemite Sam uh, chasing her around at one point. You know, kind of silly. It is. No, and I think, too, it looks at sort of, again, commentary on how we can deceive and deceive ourselves uh, to get what we want, which mm-hmm. is, again, denying the sexual impulse. And that's another thing about Borchek is also, you know, his his kind of fetishism of objects. He's always done that. He did that in a little yeah. bit. Remember with the, uh, yeah. the bedpost and, uh, and the one girl in the bedpost and uh, – he kind of he kind of enjoys that uh, I think that fetishism of uh, non-human objects dealing with human inanimate kind of uh, <laughs> yeah yeah inanimate uh, yeah objects dealing with human genitalia yeah definitely well there's a lot of phallusness I mean there's that ill-advised lockup diet of cucumbers yeah <laughs> yeah I have to wonder what Grandma was thinking you know and just stick her in this room cucumbers. where we know all of the all of the phallic yeah. symbols are yeah that's right that's right. <laughs> A creepy doll. Um, oh yeah, no big time. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add about this one, but yeah, no, th- th- this one's pretty simple. I mean, basically, she's in a church at one point. She's rubbing all over everything. In some ways, you can almost say that maybe he's talking about you know the eroticism of you know church and and the forbidden. Oh yeah, he very much is, and he tries to shock. I think by having the I don't know what they're called, but like the habit is it the habit or the not the habit the priest scarves that they wear for different occasions oh, yeah, yeah. draped on her naked body mm-hmm. so he's very yeah. much so he, he's definitely push, trying to push some buttons with this and you know mm-hmm. with the, what what it's trying to say but it's it's a very simple girl locked in a room playing with objects so so this might you know for some people this might be like for me that doesn't really do much but for some no. people this might do more than the first scene does that's one thing you can say about this movie is that it's dealing with all these different. If you add the Labette element to it, which again you didn't watch, but you would, didn't have to watch because you saw the shot, the full length thing. Yeah, in in the Labette film, you saw the same chunk that's in this. Basically, the lamb and 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 beast sequence. Yeah, is the other sequence in this. So he's basically dealing with all these taboos, 
And I, I think people can, you know, I don't know who would get something out of the bed, but some some people might. Oh, I've seen ads on websites that I frequent that there has to be a market for. <laughs> well, obviously there's a market for anything, but yeah. Uh, uh, but you know, again, I think he's dealing with all these things that you know we we don't talk about, or that might be private passions, or maybe things we shouldn't be ashamed of sometimes. Uh, although I don't know about the Labette thing, I think that might be more of a, a play on something else. But I don't think he's really like dealing with just bestiality when he's doing that. I think he's dealing no, with the, the animal nature. Yeah, the animal nature, nature. and then the power of women. Like, it goes back to that. Oh, very much so. Every one of these Simple vignettes beasts. is is about a powerful woman. Yeah. Uh, and really, I didn't put that together with the first film until you said something. Mm-hmm. And now thinking about that, after you said it, I see that throughout this whole this whole the whole every rest of single film. one of them. Every yep. single one of them. Absolutely. Yep. Man, now I'm looking at fucking Helmut Newton photography from fashion shoots because of um, Paloma Picasso. Nice. Pretty good stuff. Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to say about that. And I, I should clarify, too, I'm not into um, beasts fucking women. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, that's yeah. kink, I guess, teach their own. Not my bag, but, yeah. you know, uh, we all have our kinks. Yep. Some of mine have been revealed on the air before. Some amount of yes, yeah, yeah, some amount of uh, a freshly some... washed hair thing I've never heard the end of. So. Yeah, that's right. I do like a nice head of freshly washed hair. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um, third story, the Elizabeth Bathory one. We're moving back in time now. We're in the year sixteen sixteen. Yes. Uh, again, this one's probably the most stylish of the four or absolutely. five stories. Have you seen the Lebet piece? Actually, the, you could argue. I mean, again, you didn't watch the Lebet one in this one, but. You could argue the Lebet one, you know, because it's kind of got that Keystone Cops sped up stuff. You could argue that there's some style there. But this one is easily the stuff that you've probably seen the most screen grabs from when it comes to this movie. Mm-hmm. It comes from the Bathory stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like this one a lot because I think it deals with uh, a little bit with androgyny as well. Oh, absolutely it does. And gender roles, mm-hmm. gender identification. Because I think there's a there's a moment in this that kind of shocks you a little bit when you find out that one character is not what he seems to be yeah and power uh you know uh, the power of certain genders and assumed power assumptions of yeah gender a lot of things going on with that stuff so again i'm finding myself admiring his stuff more in theory than i do in execution but Mm -hmm. admiring it more nonetheless um love the shot of the eyes looking kind of back and forth at the beginning of this oh yeah um now uh if you've ever wanted to see old, heavy-set Hungarian women vigorously chopping cabbage, this is your movie. Oh yeah, man! It speaks to me in so it many speaks levels. To us in a deep way. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got their kinks, right? So yeah, going at it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and he just, I like a I like a heavy Hungarian woman with sideburns chopping cabbage. Chopping cabbage, yeah, in it to win it, man. <laughs> yeah, no, he he works it. He uh, he works it, and. It, again, I think he does seem to find the sexuality in most everything, and I think he looks at human beings very much as sexual creatures because there's sort of the burgeoning sexuality that's kind of played for laughs of uh, the little girl milking the cow. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Obviously, so. milking a cow, you know, seen in the right light is a very sexual act. Yeah. yeah. Even though it's not in any way, shape, or form, but if you shoot it uh, right after you've had a peep and Tom moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it kind of plays differently. And of course there's a lot of, he's also, you know, 
like I said, Borchek's got his his things, but he's big on uh, nipple play. He's big on nipples. Oh yeah. So if you're a nipple person, he's uh he's your man. Nipples and hairy butts. That's what's yeah. up. The wonderful yeah. world of Borchek. Again, just another Saturday night at GGTMC, but yeah, you know. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Um <laughs> I like the, I like the story quite a bit. There's an excessive yeah, amount of nudity good. in it. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of girls running around uh, fully nude. Um, they're kind of playing with the uh, obviously the Bathory character. For those who don't know, she was a crazy woman essentially who believed oh, yeah. that if she bathed in the virgin's blood, she would uh, retain her beauty. Yeah, and stay young. And this has been used a couple times in films. Uh, Eli Roth most recently used it quite vividly, I think, in, in a pretty uh, awful sequence. Yeah, an awful sequence, but uh, maybe some of the best stuff he's ever done in Hostel too. Yeah, I mean uh, that that stuff is horrible, and yeah, at the same time, it's it's gorgeously shot and well done. Yeah. No, uh, uh, anyway, uh, so this one deals with that as well, but it, it deals with the setup of it, which makes it even more horrible because they're kind of like herding. It's almost like herding cattle. A bunch of young women, right? Because this was a time in the world, and I think he looks to it not just the the sort of. Um, I think he looks at in some ways much like our last film does the abuse of those in power and the perversions and how people tend to want to stay in their ivory tower, but um, ultimately um, they're. And the, the Bathory makes this character, this other, what seems like innocent character, at least from what I can get implies that that person does the slaughtering. That's right. That's the way I got it. That's the way I got it as well. And then when you find out the, the ultimate answer of that character it kind of shows you that, you know, it kind of gets back to that hypocrisy again. It gets back to that thing he's he's trying to show you that, you know, it's not all, you know, roses and hairy butts. You know, it's, sometimes it's... Uh, or, or roses in hairy butts. Yes, yes. <laughs> We've seen that on the show before, yes. We've had roses on our show before. <laughs> yeah. A few yeah. times. Oh, I yeah, I do it every weekend, but, uh, right. you know... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you never saw McGruber, did you? I think it, uh, Will Forte does it with a celery stick and Will McGruber. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite moments from a bad movie. Uh, is the him, <laughs> is there him a running across the camera with a celery stick shoved in his head. <laughs> does he have cheese whiz on it? <laughs> no, he doesn't. But and it's, raisins? It, it's, it's, it's not as, you know, that movie's not as bad as people made it out to be. No, I know. I want to see it. I've, I've meant to see it. I've heard some yeah. good things about it. If you like the McGruber character, I think you'd like it. It's funny. It's a little overlong, like too many comedies are, but yeah, yeah. I, I had some fun with that, especially the celery stick moment. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to call, I'm going to, he goes, I got an idea. I'm going to cause a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> and then the bad guys are looking at him. He's walking across the camera with a celery stick in his ass. That, that is a distraction. <laughs> Fucking right it is, man. <laughs> anyway, uh, back on point. Uh, poor check would approve. Uh, I, I did, I did like this one quite a bit. Uh, the, I think the, the eroticism of the first one works the best. This one is probably the best shot and the best told in some ways. This is kind of the one I wish he would have made a full-length film of. I, I think see, it, yeah. I, I see why he did Labette because there's a lot of themes there you can mess with, and it's very much shocking. Because the Labette stuff is that, – that scene, the infamous scene from Labette, is the, is the chunk that's in this original anthology film. So No pun that is Yeah, that is shocking material. I mean, to the point to where – I wouldn't want my son to see it until no. he was old enough that he could process it because it would be, you know, it would, it might jack him up <laughs> for yeah, for a few years, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a, 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe for life, you know. For life. Like NWO, buddy. You know? Yeah. In for, for life. life. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't want that to happen. So. No. The board check is obviously, you know, not a filmmaker. I, I want my son to come across until he's old enough to process anyway. And I don't want to be the one to have him discover board check to, or to introduce yeah. him to board check. He can discover yeah. him on his own if he sees yeah. it. Yeah. And I don't want to be the one that has to explain it to my wife either. No, especially not. <laughs> when she catches him watching board check. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and she's caught me watching board check. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what in the hell? I was like, never mind. This guy, just leave. Yeah. Just leave, please. Exactly. But this is, I think, some of the best stuff. Uh, you know, outside of the first story, I think this is some of the best stuff in the film. And and like we said, the lady that plays Battery, what's her name? She's she's gorgeous. Oh, Paloma Picasso. But again, yeah. she has that thing I love, which is she has a pronounced nose. Oh, I find her just gorgeous. Yeah, she is gorgeous. But then after that story, you kind of get into the last story, which deals with obviously uh, the bourgeoisie and also the you know kind of hypocrisy of the church, the church and power and. The kind of the awfulness that goes on behind the scenes, which sadly we know now in modern times there is some real perversions and sadness that went on in some of the churches and things like that. But awful, awful things, yeah. Awful things, yes. And uh, this is kind of a comment on probably you know rumored discussions that were probably going on back in the seventies or late sixties, maybe, mm-hmm. and nobody was following up on. And. Uh, yeah, this one is. I agree with you. It's it's probably, it's probably the most irritating at this point. This it almost feels like it's slamming you over the head a little too much. It's too on the nose. It's too tedious. We get it at this point. We've, you know, and it's not it's not really erotic at this point. At this point, it's kind of just kind of gross. It's just gross, wacky. Mm-hmm. At this point, we've had it all done so many times. It, it yeah. really isn't a powerful. Yeah, it, it. I don't. I think it ends on a whimper. But it. If you if you add that beast section back in. Uh, and again, because you've seen The Beast, you know exactly the section I'm talking about. So you've seen the the entire anthology film anyway. If you add that scene in and then you ended it on Bathory, I think you'd have a better film, better anthology film. Isn't that and, interesting how, sorry to cut you off, but how we've spoken before about how anthologies, if you were to rejig the order, how that really changes the perception of the film. Mm-hmm. Well, I do. I do believe that. I do. I believe that with Black Sabbath. Yeah. I think that first story in Black Sabbath yeah. is the one they should have ended it on. Uh, which one was the first one? That was the one with the uh, the nurse, right? The wet, uh, the man, nurse with the, the thing. Yeah. yeah, the worst one was with the Diverdelac or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the worst, man. Yeah, that's the one they ended on. I think the Verdelac yeah. stuff. Which, oh, with all due respect to, to Boris, but uh, yeah, the Verdelac thereby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah. This uh, this last one is the commentary. At this point becomes too heavy handed, and like I said, kind of goes out on a whimper, but. I, I I think of the three Borchek films we've done, I think this is the one I enjoy the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Labette, obviously, a little bit more than you do. Uh, Osborne I had complications with, but I've since watched it again. And I quite I like liked it. A it. Little bit, yeah, I like it a little bit more now. And I think it's one I could grow to like even more on multiple rewatches because the acting's good in it, and there's a lot of scimitar use, obviously. <laughs> Oh, and man, this there's one, a lot of cemetery. But this one is, you know, this one I had seen before and I remember liking. And I still like it because I think visually it's interesting and and uh, it works. But I think, you know, if I watch it going forward, I think I could just about skip that whole last piece. Oh, totally. It's a really the only real downfall of the movie for me is the last piece. I agree. No, I would agree. I think the rest of them are all pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Um, all right, so let's get into make or breaks, MVTs, and scores. Uh, my make or break scene. Oh, I we should say that she really does bathe in pig blood. Uh, Paloma Picasso. Oh yeah, that 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 is foamy blood. blood. That that's real blood. Yeah. That's real blood, and you can tell it's got that consistency, right? Yeah, it's got that consistency, and if you pour real blood, not that I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, ex- I won't explain to you how I know this, but if you pour buckets of real blood, it does foam like that a little bit. So, <laughs> don't ask me how I know that. <laughs> yeah, that's rough. Just <laughs> uh, um, to say, you know, I've spent some time on a farm, so yeah. Unfortunately, I've seen some things that uh, haunt my dreams. Yeah, no doubt, man. Yeah, you know, sometimes you have to put animals down. That's just the way it goes. Yeah, no, it's rough. Um, Not recommended for the weak of heart. No. Uh, or of stomach. Um, mm, yes. Gosh, I don't know. You know, there's like it's hard to pick a single scene in this. But I think I want to go, I'm going to cheat a little bit here. And I'm going to go with the first story as a whole. Okay. Because right. I feel like it gives... It's only about 15 minutes, right? Yes, yeah, so you could say it's a scene. I mean, mm-hmm. you know... Because I feel like it gives us the variety that we need. That the rest of the stories are more, much more period set, whereas this was, was the contemporary piece, and it adds a breezy, different feel than the rest of the stories. It's not okay. as, I All think right. it's a little more, um, it's a little more mysterious and subjective. Yeah. So, yeah, it works for me. Um, MVT, I guess. I'm going to go with my most viable thing is Borchek's decision to use a different DOP on each of the four story, five stories. Nice. I really admire that decision. And each one benefits greatly from having a different eye lens it. Uh, my score, you know, I was lower, but we've been talking this thing for a while here. And I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say 7.25 actually, man. Nice. That came up about a point. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I think he's the kind of filmmaker that that can happen with. I think sometimes you see him the first time, he can kind of just rub you the wrong way, or not even rub you the wrong way, just kind of bore you a little yeah, bit. tedious but, kind of self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. So, but I think he's the kind of filmmaker that grows on folks. Uh, make or break for me, I'm cheating a little bit too. I love the whole battery sequence. Nice, it's fantastic. <laughs> even though I do think the first sequence is my favorite. Uh, Visually, the battery one is the cleanest and most, from a technical standpoint, probably the most um, yeah, it's gorgeous, impressive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it looks good, and of course that kind of t- coincides with my MVT, which is Paloma Picasso. So, oh man, she's amazing. Wow. she's fucking dynamite. <laughs> yes, exactly. JJ would approve. He totally would. Uh, and my score for the film is a little higher yours, uh, but again, Borchek works for me a little bit more than he does for you. But it's an eight out of ten. Nice. So, nice. yeah, definitely check it out. That's another great release from uh, Arrow. Yeah, no, they're really doing great work. This, I hope this year is as I know they got some really great. I know we're excited. I, well, I know you're excited because I showed you that they're I tagged you in the thing. They're releasing Black Mama, White Mama this year. Oh man, which is my favorite underappreciated Pam Jam. So I, I mean, they, they got some other good stuff in the pipeline for this year, and uh, they've had a great first year. I'm looking forward to this year's work as well. Oh yeah, oh, totally, man, totally. Uh, that, uh, that, man, I've been looking at Helmut Newton photos fucking ever since. I've been on Tumblr just <laughs> ref- I my, my, all my posts for the past, like, I got like 30 posts in a row. Oh, there he goes. That, that big zipper. Yeah, it's better than, uh, Helmut Burger photos, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Or Burgermeister, Meister Burger photos. Ooh, yeah. Could you be Helmut Burger playing Burgermeister, Meister Burger? That'd be amazing. <laughs> Lensed by Helmut Newton. 
Yeah, remind me to talk to you about Helmut Newton. Uh, or not Helmut Newton, but Helmut, <laughs> Helmut Berger when we uh, stop recording. Not German helmets? No, there's, uh, I'll just say it on the air because our listeners will find this interesting. There's evidently – some people put this on their top ten list of the year, but there's a documentary uh, about Helmut Berger out there this year. Seriously? Yeah, and I think in it he uh, – he does uh, he does something to himself on the film, which is a total helmet burger type thing. Let's just say that. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so I'm looking for it. If it's out there anywhere, I'm looking for it to check it out. Nice. Because he is certainly one of the, the – uh, I think he's under underappreciated uh, crazy actors of all time. I think he uh, – you know, I think Koskinski kind of sold all of his thunder. I was about to say Kinski steals – his uh, Germanic thunder. Yeah, because but Berger's right there behind him. I mean, he talk about an actor that uh, will go full tilt. I mean, that's that's one of them. Berger goes for it, man. Yeah, goes Helmut for it like Berger and Paul Giamatti do a remake of that movie with uh, Ewan McGregor and Christopher Plummer. That would be good. Helmut yeah. Berger plays Paul Giamatti's dad. What movie is that? <laughs> no, no, that that's me wishing that I could see Paul Giamatti and Helmut Berger in a film together. But what movie were you thinking you wanted to see? Uh, I can't remember what was the name of that movie. That movie that Christopher Plummer and Ewan McGregor did where his dad came out as homosexual. Oh, Beginners. Yeah, Beginners. There you go. There you go. I'd like to see the Helmut Burger, Paul Giamatti version of that film. I'd like to see a stop motion Burger Meister Meister Burger in the Christopher Plummer role. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and uh, I'd like to see the Hamburglar. And the Hamburglar. Uh, the... <laughs> yeah. Rubble, rubble, rubble. Yeah, that'd be amazing, man. <laughs> And yeah, it'd be fantastic. And, you know, I don't know if I ever told you this, man, but when I was a kid, the hamburger hamburger kind of freaked me out. Did he? Yeah, I didn't like I didn't like the hamburger, man. I thought he was a little weird. He'd kind of pop into scenes and, and commercials like mask and, and the rubble, rubble, rubble. And you know, he'd do all of his weird stuff, and his eyes were weird. And he was. Kind he always of... had that Alfred E. Newman type smile on his face. Yeah, that gap tooth, man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't like the hamburger that much. I always liked Mayor Mac McCheese. I was more of a Mayor Mac McCheese guy. Mayor Mac McCheese. Mayor <laughs> Mac McCheese. I gotta look him up very quickly here. You know who used to be a little bit uh, kind of uh, terrifying was the Big Mac Moonhead guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was creepy. Oh, the burger face, the burger head guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The bur- murder, murder, um, Mac McCheese, Mayor Mac McCheese. Yeah, that's his name, right? I think it's his name. Yeah, Mayor McCheese, Mayor McCheese. Mayor McCheese. I used there to you have go. his toy of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember the toy days back when we used to <laughs> McDonald's used to do that. Oh man, I got a, an amazing kind of fan art photo of uh, them as Mac Sabbath that I have to send you. Nice, send them my way. Yes, I'll do that. <laughs> well, that is the big show. We've been talking about um, all sorts of things. Here we're digressing. Uh, next week we're going to bring this cheese and the sleaze. <laughs> yes, it's your turn to program the Diabolic Show, and you picked a couple of doozies. Yeah, absolutely. One that we've talked about so much that and you were so almost convinced of, we covered it. Yeah, I was convinced we had bringing uh, – it, it's Euro crime time. And this is yep. a film that's love. Truth be told, I don't love it as much as some, but I think it really encapsulates um, a lot of the great stuff about the genre, uh, right down to the homoeroticism. Uh, it's, of course, uh, Ruggiero Diodato's Live Like a Cop, Die Like a Man. Yeah, a great title. Oh, it's one of the best titles. And another film that I'm a big fan of, Bonkers, Sleazy. This might be the first time 
that we've done a Mexican film and an Italian film, the same show maybe, but it's got one of the great covers that my children will never see uh, until they're much older. <laughs> yeah, I had, to, I, had to, I had to duck mine pretty quick too. And it is, of course, uh, the Paul Grau film, Mad Foxes. Nice. So it's going to be Live Like a Fox, Die Like a Man yeah. <laughs> next week on the GGTMC. Nice. So thank you again, everyone, uh, for patience uh, with us. And uh, as always, we have one thing left to say. Adios. Adios. Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com. And you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Thank you.